Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 23, Episode 2 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Two. It's me? Yeah. You always go left. That's Not since we've been doing it here. Listen, Stork is to the left, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> I'm Kadave, and I'm old-fashioned and a fuddy-duddy, apparently. Uh, I'm Joey, and I'm not old-fashioned, nor am I a fuddy-duddy. Uh, and I'm Stork, and I'm with Dave. I'm, yeah, Joey's the only young one here. He yeah. He's adaptable. Yes. Still He's pliable. He's a duddy-fuddy. <laughs> a duddy-fuddy. Yeah. Well, well. Who's Blabs? In this episode, I'm going to open my beer up. In this episode of Happy Checks RPG Podcast, we discuss GMing in game record keeping. GM in game record keeping. Joe from the IE sends us an interesting resource he's discovered. And Gaz, the GM from the Netherlands, sends us a follow up. Mm. But first, my headphones aren't loud enough. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're also on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe, happyjacksrpg. All one word. You can find us. There's a closed group on MeWe if you're one of those people who's moved there. We have two members, not including myself. Yeah, I think it's me and... No, see, I, I had to cl- I, I close that group because I made it wrong. Oh, I deleted that group and started. You're out. One. I'm out. <laughs> You're out. I leave. I closed that group because you should. I mean, it, I made it wrong. I I did make it wrong. Oh, oh. see the world. Oh, I've had half of my head removed. Yeah, yeah. Well, Are you, you already, already had half your second star? Is that, right. is that yeah. like the Star Trek? Right, everybody really left. <laughs> 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 Except that was uh, right. you went with me. I did. For those listening at home, I, <laughs> adju- I adjusted the camera. Um, <laughs> That'd be house left. Also, if you'd like to watch the show live, okay. we stream the show at seven p.m. ish, seven eleven ish p.m. Pacific time. You can go to happyjacks.org/live and you can watch the show there, like right now. If assuming you're not listening to a recording. And if you're listening to a recording at 7 o'clock next Friday, Booyah! you can stop and watch this happen live. But not just this. A new show. A new one. <laughs> See? It'll be the future. This is very convenient. It'll, it will. It, although <laughs> it very often it involves topics that we've covered in the past. So it's really like a time machine. And every sometimes episode. it's the same email we're reading twice. That's happened <laughs> at least three times. <laughs> Maybe more. <laughs> I wanted to talk about in-game record-keeping for GMs. Okay. Sure. Because if you do that, you won't read the same email twice. Well, yes. But it, this is something I thought, because, I mean, I, everyone probably has their own way of doing it, and I wanted to kind of discuss it. And I've got the chat room open. Hi, chat room. Hey, buddy. Um, and if uh, if you want, if any of you in there want to uh, detail how you do record-keeping at the table while you're playing a game, I would love to know. But I kind of want to talk about, like, when you come up with a, a new place... Or you come up with a new NPC, and you make decisions right off the bat about that NPC. Okay, this guy's a jolly shopkeep, and he his specialty is blunt swords, or whatever. Um, 
He's not a good businessman. He's a terrible businessman. <laughs> Uh, or wooden swords. Oh, wooden oh. Swords. He's, he's a good businessman for, for little kids. He's a good businessman for pacifists. He's yeah. a toy maker. Really, steel clubs. Oh, um, that still takes skill. It sure, of course, it does. So he's the sponsor of Team Beat Stick. Yes. <laughs> no, those are. Yeah, big. I didn't say how big the clubs had to be. And they're, they're wood, and they have straps of steel on if, them. If you sell three sharpened, sharpened swords, somebody can hurt themselves while in the shop. It's a liability. So That's you right. actually have to sell dull swords, and they can sharpen it on their own. Well, then you, it's out of your hands. You also get the add-on like sharpening care package, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So would you so like the Would you yeah. like the uh, texture or text? What do they call that? The clear coat as well. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, because <laughs> you, then you, know, you can just flick the blood right off. Skit. No wiping. <laughs> We may have spent way too much on that right. little detail. Anyway, I so, love that. So I'll let everyone else go. Like, because we're like PCs, <laughs> and we latch on to some weird, stupid right. detail. And every once in a while, we set things on fire. What do you mean, blood swords? Every once in a while. <laughs> I did it last game. I've never had a campaign where people didn't light something on fire. I think. I'm pretty sure every campaign I've had something's gotten lit on. Well, when you have a fire mage in the party, yeah, it's kind of hard it? not no, to. Doesn't yeah. it never, it doesn't even require a fire mage. Even modern games. Yeah. yeah. We need to hide the evidence. Well, let's burn the house down. I didn't have anybody light anything on fire in uh, um, Tales from the Loop. R- really? I don't yeah. think we have any monster hearts lighting anything on fire. We summon demons, but that's the same thing. You lit the game on fire. Okay, well, that's also... <laughs> <laughs> but... But no, that, they see that that didn't go for any fire. I, I find I find that I, I find that surprising. I mean, they staged a robot revolution. If anyone is going to screw around with fire, it's going to be kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree, <laughs> but no, I they they never went for fire. They went <coughs> really. They did a little light breaking and entering. They sure. uh, they staged a robot rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the robots burn anything down? Uh well there was a robot with flamethrower arms so yeah so but but he wasn't in a building he was out in the parking lot <coughs> like he lit some dude on fire but yeah that, that's like one that's like one that's like a fireball spell it's, right. that doesn't count I don't I don't feel like I don't that no counts. not really it's not really the same thing anyway so <laughs> so when the when the so when 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 you come up with this information you come up with NPCs and what their personality is like and all this stuff. How do you quickly record that stuff? So the next time you have a session and they show up at the same place, the PC has a certain level of consistency or the place has a level of consistency. Because, I mean, you make up a lot of stuff on the fly usually because you never, you know, you, you know, you can't prep. So you well, prep during the game. You can't prep anything that the players are going to see. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being dramatic, but yeah. Well, there is a certain level of like general stuff you can prep ahead of. Sure. Because I very much subscribe to the the universe of prep the world, not the story. Sure. But still have a list of names Mm -hmm. so you're not struggling. That That is absolutely my huge weakness and I suck at it every time and I tell myself, I gotta come up with a list of names and then I forget. Have a laptop in front of you and And put in whatever random name generator and one will exist. Yeah, for sure. But how do you, how do you record that? St- how do you keep that stuff, catalog it so that you'll remember it the next the next session? I can only speak from a player's point of view, and I'm always in awe. And it's almost a meta game moment. Like you know, we latched onto something that seems really cool, and I look up, and you are frantically taking notes. 
I know that you use OneNote or an equivalent <coughs> thereof. Yes. Um, and that's when I know that we've maybe <laughs> gone off the rails a bit, <laughs> left the reservation. It's it, it's it's an interesting thing for me as a player because I I don't think about that. I just latch onto something that seems interesting, mm-hmm. and I think that watching the GM then they're they're for scramble and try to keep track of that stuff. And I get it because we players are dicks because they'll come back to that guy again. So you're like. Now I gotta. Now I gotta. So it's, that's the only observation that I have. But I don't know. I think everybody's got their own take on it. Right. That's what. That's yeah. what I'm trying to yeah. see. Because I, 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 I would like to. I would kind of like to know what people do uh, to see if there's more efficient ways of doing it. That's what kind, I'm, kind of what Stork said. Because I, I spent a long time as a player and just very, <coughs> very recently got back to the DMing or GMing. See, so that law. I used to call it DMing. Um, yeah. And so what I've done is I've kind of taken my aspect of what I do for note-taking for being a player and use it for, for GMing. Uh, for Spaniard's Ghost, in my notebook, I had a page <coughs> for every other PC at the table, and he knows it took on them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. My character probably thinks that about them now. Or that's something to come back to if you remember for my character. Right. Um, a page <laughs> full of the NPCs, different major plot hooks and plot points we were dealing with. I had a specific page for that. So that if Jib was like, uh, we're talking about that constellation. Okay, constellation. Oh, there's the page for the constellation. Here's all my notes that we have about the constellation. Okay, that's what I have. Cool. And so I started using that in my Masks game. I have a page for each PC. I have a page full of NPCs with a brief like note of who they are in the school. And then eventually I go back and for the NPCs. I think I actually heard this on a very, very early episode of this podcast when I try to do the backlog. Um... I actually have now a little box of uh, index cards for NPCs with their names on them and a brief description of who they are and what their personality is. And if I need to go back to them, <coughs> I just go through my Rolodex. Oh, there's that person. Oh, let's try that's who that is. Okay, I'm ready to go. Remember the... Was it... TSR had the rogues gallery. And it was just like a booklet full of, like, one-page descriptions of random NPCs. We've been talking about doing... No, Microsoft. We've been talking about doing that as a contest. Having, like, you know, the... Index card NPC challenge Yeah Well and if you actually Have an index card Or a, a, a sheet Full of ran- <coughs> That's a lot of your work Right there I'm like oh Okay so uh, uh, Gil <coughs> Gil Whippersnapper Is you know The blacksmith Is now In play Right so, and, and he goes Into a folder If you've already Sort of just pre-made Random generated Stats And a name Right NPC And then you assign A, a job to them later which is, we recommended that on, on occasion, just so that you have it there, so the game doesn't stall where you go, uh. <coughs> so you're just like, oh, so you basically right, just come up with pile. a bunch of very generic NPCs yes. with a name and some yes. stuff. Yes. But you don't even really know what it is they do. Nope. No. And, then, okay. and then when the game starts, you, you now, now you assign it, <coughs> you write on that sheet so that that's there. Mm. I've done something similar to that, but I've, I've never fully committed because it's been a really long time since I played a campaign where this kind of thing it mat- you know, matters. Right. I was going to say that. One of the things that I think that I would like to do if I ever start running a campaign, whether we, uh, whether it's after this is all over or whatever, is to record it, mm-hmm. so that I have something to go back to later. Oh, I do that because sometimes while I'm in the game, I'm not going to stop the game while I take extensive notes. I need to just keep the game moving, and then later I'll go back and archive it. That's four hours of time. Yep. That I you understand, then have to but you at least maybe <laughs> timestamps so you know when that came up. I actually started doing that for my maths game because a couple reasons. A, I've been spoiled having done a lot of like recording of podcasts and going back and re-listening and going back and fill out my notes as a player. Um, but also something I've done as an actor for things is 
record yourself to get better. Right. To, so I could take notes on what I'm doing as a GM. Like game tapes. Basically, right, yeah. yeah. And I can go back like, that worked. That kind of sucks. I need to work on that. Talk slower. Like, this is mental notes for myself, but it also helps to go back to and refill in my notes for the game. Right. It, it's mm-hmm. a built-in archive as well as, oh my god, I sound so panicked. Uh, you know, notes to yourself. It's it's nice to have that to just check on. And yeah, you're right. It could be four hours if you're going to listen from beginning to end. But if you know, oh, I got to, like, what was the name of that NPC again? And then you could just spend, figure out. You or, know, or listen to it at one and a half speed or something until you get be- to that spot. Because there, right? I, I think that a lot of times in game, <coughs> I don't have the luxury to fill out all of that stuff right then and there. And and I I think you even brought it up, Stu, is that you sometimes go and do homework after the game while it's still fresh in your mind and write this stuff down. Yeah. My my, the way I the way I do it now. No, I don't want to rate one note. I'm bringing one note up so I can <laughs> so I can give examples. Um, I will have like a com- composition book or something, and we'll jot down some notes in it. Most of the time, uh, I usually have the folder I have open in in OneNote. Most of the time, or tab I have open is the NPCs, which has a. A list of all the NPCs I've created, so I'll just click the new page and just quickly, because I can type fast, I'll quickly type in their name and whatever little brief thing it is I'm about them they're doing. Um, and that, and most of the time, that's that's how I handle it. Is it, I, I do it, put it directly in OneNote, and then later you go back and fill it out. One of our listeners on MeWe, uh, Nathaniel, he said he uses index cards for each. For each NPC or plot hook, basically any self-contained idea that gets gets jotted down, and then post game he takes all of those and puts them into his one note. Okay. So a sim- mm. similar similar thing. I'm skipping that step usually because I type as fast as I write. And you can still pay attention. You're good at, at multitasking that way. It's well, I also years have very, taking orders on phones. I have very verbose players. <laughs> yes. So okay. I, so they I, usually I, get ten minutes. <laughs> I get lots of breaks. I get lots While of they're arguing, and you can uh, keep up your notes. <coughs> I don't think everyone has that luxury. I, th- I know myself. I have a hard time multitasking with that mm-hmm. and that disconnect. Even taking notes during the game, I realize something. Oh shit! I haven't I haven't written down anything in the last twenty minutes. Uh oh! I just don't. My brain just doesn't function that way. And it's I I can see it easily as a GM. I think that all that stuff will slip through the cracks. But that's why I like recording too, especially yeah. as a player, going back and filling my notes as a player. Because if I'm in the moment playing, I don't want to take myself out of the moment to jot that information down. I want to be able to go back later and fill mm-hmm. that in so I can go back to it you know, when I need it as a player later. I don't want to break that that moment in that scene. Sam does it in character. She's amazing. Oh, she's phenomenal. I'm pointing like well, she's, see, I, she's I, not. I take notes for a living. Right, I know. So for me, I can sit and talk to someone and write something else down entirely. Well, while that's I'm what I was saying, because I know what you do for a living, and you're on the phone, and you can take notes and orders and stuff and still carry out a conversation and tell them to put out the fire in the welding area exactly. simultaneously. Right. I yeah. mean, it, it, I, don't, I don't... I've never developed that skill. I've never really had to. But that that is an important thing to note. <laughs> if you know that that's a fault of yours, then you need to come up with a system for yourself as a GM to archive your things where you can go back and revisit them later, whether it's recording or whether it's it's mnemonics <laughs> or whether it's having someone take notes for you out at the game and they go, can I borrow your notes, man? Because I mean, that that's a problem. I've, I've had that happen where they're like, we're going to go back to the blacksmith and you're like, I don't remember that accent. 
I don't remember, even remember his name. Which blacksmith are you talking was about? It, was it Bob or is it <laughs> Joe? And, and uh, then the er, game comes Joe to fall. They look at you like, but it was such a moment. How can you not remember? Uh, and then you bust out with the Raul Julia quote. For you, it was a moment. <laughs> For me, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> my, my first piece of advice was going to be Make friends with someone that wants to stream games so you can run games at their house, and then they set up an awesome place to do it like this. Um, and then you just go watch the YouTube video. Yeah. Or because that's what that's that's eighty five percent of my game prep week to week. Really? Mm-hmm. Is you go back and rewatch it? Is I go back and I rewatch the the thing, and I'm constantly surprised by the amount of shit that I miss live. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's for me. It's it's. If there's a long break, like if when Fair comes up when we ran the Vampire campaign, it's like we ran up to Fair, and then. We don't play for two and a half months, mm-hmm. and then when we come back, I definitely will listen. Usually at one and a quarter speed, the last session, so I get caught up because it because in the beginning I have the um, the recap, recap of the previous episode, so then I can I can listen through the the whole thing, and then okay, now I know exactly where we were when we left off. But, but yep. a lot of people don't have the ability to record, or it everybody has their ability to record. You yeah. have a phone, you yeah. Literally, my phone sits right there next to me. And there I are people the who have session. phones with eight gigs of memory, and they don't have, and they can't, they couldn't record a four-hour audio file. Yeah, I mean, they can. And not if you have other apps on it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so you take one of your old phones you're not using as a phone anymore. <laughs> oh, there you go. Right? Yeah, there you go. It's an old or phone. most people have most people that play games, RPGs, are gonna have some kind of a computing device. That's true. Like I'm sure, like that's a Venn diagram that's real close to perfectly overlapped. Um, shit, <laughs> shit, microphones in most computers. Though. Well, you know what though, it doesn't have to be the greatest microphone no. if it's catching the stuff you're saying as a GM. Okay, that, yeah. maybe yeah. it doesn't catch your, all the interactions between that's your true. players, but it can make a big difference. And again, you can always timestamp it. You could like at one thirty-three, I created a new NPC, so that. The next day after you sober up, you can go back and check 133 yeah. and then take all the notes you need. I, I've done that, too. I've glanced up at the little recorder, and I'm like, 1824. Oh, right. And then I, when I go back to watch the videos, I can just skip to around the right time and be like, oh, this is the thing I wanted to... I hadn't even thought about this that. This is the thing I want to notice. That kind of deal. It. Everybody's got their foibles and stuff. I mean, I'm kind of an auditory person. I actually need... I, I think that that's the most useful thing for me. But... Here's another you know level of this, which is the organizational part. How do you then? What's your preferred method for archiving that and and making it accessible for you? Because all right, so now you've remembered, you've written down the NPC. Now what do you do with it? Is it a stack of papers over here? Is it a binder? Is it a folder? Is it alphabetized? How do you? And I think that that's really the key. That's the the crux of the biscuit, if you will, which is being able to recall that very quickly and easily. Right. Um, and whatever it takes as you as a GM, because a long running campaign, you can end up with. Dare I say thousands of no. NPCs? Hundreds? Well, it depends how long it runs. Yeah. I've never had that okay. many. I, uh, probably the closest, most I've had in a game uh, was probably the Vampire. I can, I can probably tell you right now how many I had. It was a lot, but and a thousand. And, and coming <laughs> up with, oh yeah, uh, Seer, the guy that ran the the Notel Motel. Oh, uh, that was like two years ago. Uh, uh, and there, and your players look at you expectantly, you know, waiting for that guy because they kind of remember the interaction, but you don't. Because it was a Tuesday. And so I think it's that's the crux for me, which is, all right, great, so you, you've archived it. How do you now recall it so that you can use it again? 
Right. That's why in my notebooks I have a page dedicated to every major thing. Every major plot hook, every major character, every PC at the table um, has their own page that I would take notes on as a player and now as a GM. Mm-hmm. Okay, this, this PC is important to this player. Uh, I did this for this player. I dropped this hint for this player. Uh, and also kind of I'll put it on there like my, my thoughts about the, like, the character and where I think the character might <coughs> fit or go. But you still got to find it. Oh, I have it labeled very, very well at the top of each page. No tell, motel, uh, yeah. concierge. All right. Yeah, I've got, uh, organizing NPCs, I've done it a couple different ways. <clears throat> uh, I used to do it by location. That makes sense. That's a good Which you, uh, In a fantasy game or anything that's sort of medieval-ish, people tended not to move around a lot and tended not to travel much. Or they go back to the same central point. Or Yeah, they ha- yeah and I mean, most people didn't travel more than what, half a day's journey from their home during that time. Um in the vampire game, because people are always moving around, I I sub because I, I use OneNote and I have a tab. I normally start a game with a tab for NPCs, and it's all the NPCs I've come up with. Invariably, as the game progresses, if it's a longer campaign, I'm going to break those out into different categories. So for the vampire game, for instance, I had vampires, and, and I just counted. There was 38. And under that, you had Sabat and... No, what, no I, what I, normally what I did is, is when I organize them after under vampires, they're organized by, uh, oh, what would you call it? Like a table of organization. So, like, the top guy is going to be the prince, and then the people under the prince. And the those people The hierarchy. Okay. Yeah, the hierarchy of the thing. So, if there's a Sabat, there's going to be a section down farther. I'm going to have, like, a little divider saying Sabat NPCs, and then I'll have the... The like a bishop family tree or whatever, and and yeah, basically that that sort of thing. But then I had another one for for the she, and I had one for mortals. I had one for uh, uh, werewolves. I had one for ghouls because we had, at one point we had a lot of ghouls. I think we mm-hmm. had like eighteen ghouls that people were interacting with. On a and dolphins reason. and. Uh, and I think those were under. I think dolphins were under ghouls. <laughs> I'm sure. I and, hope they were. And then we had a bunch of humans yeah. as well. Yes, Bob the dolphin and Jenny the dolphin. They're right there under ghouls. So I, I didn't, not by species, no. but by category. <laughs> sure, right, yeah, yeah. And then I'll, and then victims. Once someone was killed, I put them in the victim subcategory. Boy, that's there's a lot in there. Wow. In a vampire game, I'm shocked. Right. Shocked, I say. And so you, most of them were uh, were diabolized. <laughs> so you, you said you you used to do it by. Uh, Geography, but you've changed your mind. Well, it, I think it depends on the, on the genre of the game. Oh, that's fair. Because, uh, like a medieval game, people didn't travel very much. There might be a few bandits might travel, other adventurers might travel. So you might have a separate section just for those sorts of people. But if you're going to look for Bob the Butcher, you're going to know that he's in this town because he's not going to, unless something terrible happens, he's so not going to pull up shot. stakes and go. Yeah. Set it up in another in another village, so you're you know. Find him in Elfheim. Right, you, you're he's so so for fantasy games especially. For but, and that's what I that's what I did for that's what I'm doing for Bloodblade and Tusk. Same thing. Uh, it here's the city. Here are the people who live in the city because that's who you're interacting with. You're mm-hmm. usually not interacting with people who are traveling a lot. And you've set it up as a traveling game, basically. It's like right. you have to move across Europe, or you know, follow the follow the breadcrumbs, the squiggly yeah. line yeah. of some kind. Who knows? I don't know what you're going to do, but um, that it really depends. A modern game, I would do it by some. I, I would try to come up with some sort of way to divide the NPCs up. Uh, 
criminal element, police and politicians, something like that. Something so that I can look at a glance and look at the five or six different categories I have and say, okay, I know so-and-so is going to be in, under that. So one. making a moment of truth that I'm called po- uh, police and politicians. Police and politicians. Yeah. That would be awesome. Um, well, riddle me this then, Master Stewart. Uh, along with the NPCs, uh, what else do you put into the into the OneNote, and how do you keep all of that organized? I mean, because we're, we're dealing with plot hooks, plot devices, things that happened, yes. uh, consequences that could happen again. Um, you know, what the, a node of, I guess, I'm guessing, of the interaction. I, 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 well, I, I always have a basic info tab, and that is sort of like, in, in that you will find, like, a very general introduction, like the the setup for for what the campaign is, and and maybe secret information that's that I've come up with. Well, it's just name. for you, so it's just you for me. Down, yeah. And then I'll have uh, some kind of uh, one. Usually, one page which has which has the PCs on it, has their name, any background information that I, that is going to be relevant, any like super relevant skills. If it's a, if it's a game that doesn't have a, a ton of attributes. I'll maybe list all the attributes, like in D and D or something. I'd put all. I mean, that's. Not to take I, I've taken space. to having everybody take a photo of their character sheet and just throw it in there, and yeah. then email it to me, and, and it, yeah, and then I just drop them in. I, I actually something you said actually keyed something in me, and that's actually, that's actually a really important point, which is these are notes for you. Yeah, you could be the most disorganized person in the world, but if whatever it takes for you. I mean, whether you want to make boxes around things with lines, make a Venn diagram, or make a Venn diagram, you know, throughout whatever it takes for you to remember, these are notes for you. You're not being graded on this. Nobody's no. going to look at them. This is stuff so that it's just <coughs> a crutch so that you can remember what you did. The and, biggest, and, the, and the most crutch is always like, used negatively, but yeah, crutches whatever. help people walk. They're important. Of course they are. You, you need if them. you ever break your leg, you need you a crutch. Fucking need a crutch. Yeah, you got to get that scooter. <laughs> All right, the scooter. Yeah, yeah. so much better. Get a get a full get a full cast on your leg. Try walking without a crutch, man. But anyway, my my thing is that that's important to remember. You're not making this for other people, so don't feel like you need to do this and make it pretty or whatever. This is whatever it takes for you to remember whatever it is you're doing. You do want it to be as organized as you can get it, so right. you can get to the just, information just as fast for you. as you yes. can. Yes, yes. Yeah. And my recommendation on that is don't be afraid to go back to your notes and clean them up. Right. Because you're, you're jotting shit down left, right, and sideways when things are happening at the yeah. table. Uh, that's something I do in my everyday life as an actor. I, I'm taking down blocking notes, and I go back that same night when I get home, like, okay, what does that actually mean? Can I read that handwriting? What I, is that? What you is that? No, you won't read it the next week. Oh, of you won't not. understand it, right? No, I, I will not. <laughs> so I need to do it that night. So it's still fresh in my brain. Like, oh, I need to make this English now, so I can go back and understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do I, the same thing with my my GM notes. I always do. I always take fifteen minutes, half hour after a game, mm-hmm. and I and I do my summary of what happened in the session, and then what I think may happen in the next one. And this is something I've discovered doing. Uh, Note taking, or or at least uh, trying to remind myself of stuff. You write down a little anecdote or whatever, and you say to yourself, ah, "I'll remember that." And if you wait too long, you read that anecdote. And go, what the fuck was I thinking? What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> you really do need to be uh, apple cart guy. What the fuck? Or or whatever it is, you just whatever whatever little thing that you was it, that that you keyed off of the point. Of, don't dismiss it. Say ah. I'll get it right before the next session. No, you really need to actually do a little bit of homework right after the game because that stuff will fall out of your head faster than you can that, believe. One of the things when you're talking about how I organize my my OneNote, I have a sessions tab, and every session has its own page. That's, that's and it's, cool, and that's and that's what I work on when I do my post post game thing. As like, if we just finished session three, I'll start session four last time, and I'll write a brief synopsis, usually one paragraph of what happened during the game, the, the critical stuff that I think. Not all of the little details that's the players remember, 
and then and then what may happen the next time, and you know what the bad guys' plans might happen, how they may react to what happened in the last session, things like that, and th- and that's basically all the prep I do before the game is that half hour after the previous game. So like the, the Bloodblade and Tusk, we're gonna be playing that on Sunday. Bloodblade and Tusk on Sunday, yeah. So so I don't, it's been a month since we played, I think, but I don't even have to worry about it because I I know I stayed up for an extra half hour. And wrote out here's what's here's what may happen the next time. Now I also will come up with you know, other ideas, mm-hmm. and I will go in and say, "Oh, it'd be kind of cool if this this thing happened." There. Right, like in mid conversation, the players are going <coughs> off on some tangent. You're like, oh, "Taking notes." Now. Right, exactly. And, okay, and again, that's that's an important part of it. And then you have to go back and you have to revisit that really quickly because you're just taking like you know, little anecdotes, a little little a really short little note just so that it's something to key you up. But if you wait too long, you're never going to remember that and that. That moment, that that spark, that, that whatever it was that got your creative juices going, will go away as well. So right. then, when you finally read the antidote, you're like, "What? Does, that seems dumb now." You know, oh, you yeah. ever had that happen where the muse oh, just sure. escapes you, and you're like, "Yeah, that, that seemed like a good idea at the time." But like, no, at the time, you need to write that and fill it out because later on, you go, Pow. "You may not. You 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 may be looking at." A brief synopsis, which to you was enough information at right. the time, but then mm-hmm. a week and a half, two weeks later, you look at it and you go. But there's some conceit about that that you thought was really cool that you're not remembering. Very well said. Yeah. I wish I could have said that. Yeah, oh, but the other thing I always put in is I have a, usually like a long-term plot hooks mm-hmm. or plot elements or something like that. And that's when if I just come up with a random idea of something that I'm not going to use soon, but I know yep. I could introduce in the game, I'll throw... Let's see what are Long-term plots. Uh, well, like, one, one of the... This is from the vampire game. And this is something I put in very early on, and it was the coroner wannabe. And it was about um, uh, Michael Fitzpatrick, the coroner in the, oh, the, coroner. In the vampire I game. I thought you said coroner. Yeah, coroner wannabe, yeah. And like, because at one All point, right. someone had, yeah. he, he'd kind of been read in. A yeah, little uh, bit. Samantha had. had uh, I don't think it was Samantha that read him in. I think it was someone else that read him mm-hmm. in. And she kind of set him straight because it was before, it was, I think it was before. No, it, it was when no, it was when they uh, they they needed a, to do a blood transfusion on a dead person. I don't remember whose character it was. It might have been Max's character, and so they brought Fitz in because it's the closest thing they have to a medical doctor. And it's like this person's dead. Oh no, just just do the tr- blood transfusion anyway. Okay, so he does a blood transfusion, and all of a sudden she wakes up and he's like, "What?" So. Now suddenly he has to be read in a little. Right after that, that's when I came up with this and said, it, "It's." I said, um, at some point, he's going to decide he wants to be a vampire and he's going to harass Riley about it several times. And if she refuses, he'll probably find someone else to, to and try to convince them to. Try and the, okay, so that's a great yeah. little note right there that came out of that hole like right and there. I, and I don't know when that's going to happen. It's, right. It may not happen until the party decides. Oh, we need. We need to. to we need the coroner again because you know we're a bunch of fucking murderers and we need coroners. No, a lot. I, I even used him when uh, oh, yeah. when I had to revive a werewolf. Right. He, he yeah he became our healer. Exactly yeah. <laughs> but and and what I, I I put stuff in that folder, knowing that at some point I'll have it, and then and then when it gets to a point, it's like I think I have something about that, and I'll click on it, and and like there's only like four or five of them in the vampire one, and. <clears throat> that way, I can shoehorn that in or dovetail that in. I guess would be more likely. But I also have one about Enzo, which was Jesse, uh, Jesse's brother, character's brother. Yeah. Because anything, anytime a PC has like a long term thing they want to do, 
I will throw that in there just sort of as a constant reminder to myself that that's something that one of the players wants to explore with their character. I think it'd be cool if you take a maybe a screenshot of one of your one of the pages from an older game and just post it so that people have an idea of what it is, you know, so they can see the organization. I don't, you know, nothing nothing too dramatic and you know, right. be careful about showing off all your passwords and stuff, but I think that people might be curious to see what it is and how you're organizing your notes yeah. because that you can learn a lot. You work in a vacuum and come up with your own notes, but sometimes you see somebody else and go, "Oh, that's genius! Oh, I never thought about that." Because everyone doesn't. That's why I, I, I've always said it's very valuable to watch other people GM, even oh, if yeah. you're not actually playing in the game, just watching it, seeing other GMs and their techniques. Because everyone does it a little differently, mm-hmm, and you'll find something interesting that you haven't thought of. And note taking is a skill. It really is. Yes, it's not. It's something that we all have had to do, but I. Everybody's notes are different. Have you ever had to borrow somebody else's notes from science class? You're like, dude, I can't even make heads or tails of that. I don't know what you're talking about. about. Uh, Or or even just you you take notes, you look over at somebody else's notes and go, that makes so much more sense. And then all of a sudden you've adopted that. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't. Stop copying me, Stop copying me, man. It is a, uh, you know, it's something you're expected to do, but nobody really tells you how to. I, I I was surprised when we did the Dead Rain game. How similar our OneNote uses right. were, because <laughs> like Stu would yeah, we throw shared shit a up one there. Note. We shared a OneNote, and instance. then I would go check, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's awesome!" <laughs> and I'd just add in the stuff that I'd been working on, and like it worked out really nicely, because Stu would come up with like cool NPCs, and I'm like, "Yeah, we're gonna use that guy. Right, <laughs> like, that guy's gonna be awesome." Savior Dave, or whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um. It's, it's an interesting world that we live in now when you have this ability to be able to just on the fly come up with the stuff. And you can even share it with a co-GM or even just archive it into the cloud so you can check it on your phone at work. I think that there are so mm-hmm. many great things for note-taking and so many powerful tools out there now. You're, you're almost doing yourself a disservice if you don't just get one of them, any one of them, and utilize them. Even if it's just writing sentences so that you can look at it later, you have it archived so that you can now reference them. And I think that that's the key. Back in the day when I started, it was index cards. It was a binder, right, you know, with with tabs in it. And you would, all right, here's a verba bonk, and here. It, but but you don't you don't you couldn't do it at work. You couldn't do it on the fly. You couldn't do it on the bus. Now or you can, but you had to carry it with you all the time. Who does that? Right. Uh, then you I think beat it's, up. It's a brave new world where you have this wonderful. I mean, look at this. Look at this. You're, oh, I mean, you called up stuff from three years ago, right, right. there, and it's all right there. What cloud? Cloud computing, man. Beautiful, man. <laughs> Beautiful. Because I go through a laptop about every three or four years, and often it's unrecoverable by the time I replace it. And that's also a great note, because I can remember, I, I found some old character sheets uh, that had been waterlogged and damaged and stuff, but had they not been, I mean, I would I could have looked back on the archive oh, and stuff. Sure. It's, it's, it's all there now. It's cool. Well, every single game that I've run on the stream, some plot device that has come up has been inspiration while I've been walking around like the grocery store, sure, mm-hmm. or oh, whatever. Yeah. And then I pull out my phone and I open up one there note and go. I type two lines to myself mm-hmm. while I'm like, "Stop putting things in the cart, children." Hold on a minute. Hold I on had an idea. Daddy's got an idea. I usually just use a note app because I might. Um, one note is a large app on mm-hmm. on a phone. I've noticed. Uh, when I was uh, just it's an allegory to this, it's not, but when I was in college, I was the cartoonist for the paper, and it was a weekly paper. And I would wander around, and occasionally these little <laughs> moments would hit me. It's a moment, you know. I'd have four right. panels or five panels to tell a story or tell a little moment, and I would I would write them down on scraps of paper, 
because it was usually someplace inconvenient, like a party or the store or in mid conversation with somebody. So I, you know, I'd write them down and then I would flush them out later because you never know when that thing hits you. Somebody says something or you see something or or an interaction is so stupid. You're like, this is going into the game. You never know when that's going to happen. It's so cool now to be able to pull that stuff up and just here it goes right there. We'll we will we'll fill this out and address it. Later. I used to keep a notebook by my bed. Yes. I, now I have an iPad by my yes. head. And so, I, I like, last night, I'm going to sleep after Boggart rehearsal, and all of a sudden, song idea. Mm-hmm. Type it real funny? quick, and just throw it to the side, because I don't want to forget it. Right. Oh, no, I write most of my stuff in the shower. It's, you know, absentmindedly thinking. Right. And so, I, I have my phone in there with me, and I will, I'll get out of the shower. You have your phone in the shower? Well, in the bathroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the shower. Phones are waterproof Yeah, nowadays. why not? Uh, I have a little pouch for it now. You know, um, I, I read a fascinating article about how many germs are on phones, mostly because oh, people use them in the bathroom. Of course, <laughs> they're disgusting. <laughs> Still better than the I'm not phones. eating it off of it. Where is a payphone? <laughs> but I will, I will get out of the shower if I'm like thinking. I've thought of a verse or I've thought of a chorus right. of something. I will jot it down real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and you never know when inspiration is going to strike you. Uh, there were a, there are people talking about ways to record without mm-hmm. if you don't have audio equipment. Obviously, you mentioned phones. Uh, so, who was it? Uh, Master Vitar. There are fairly inexpensive audio recorders, and there are little digital audio recorders. Yeah. yeah. They used to use those little micro cassette tapes, but I don't think they just—they're just—they just use no. chips yeah, now. Yeah, chip now. But those, th- those are probably under twenty bucks. About that. About twenty, I would maybe twenty-five. I actually have one. I assembled a ten candles kit. Oh, there you go. And so I, you need a I recorder. Have, that's right. I have yeah, but I have a little box to keep in my trunk. Like, oh, excellent. oh, you want to put the candles? Anytime I need to play it, I have like I'm all in watch there. the candles though, and keep it in your car if it's hot. Right, I, I check them there. <laughs> they should be fine. Watch the candles if you're around Rob too. Oh yeah. What do, what do you do? He's slushing oh, wax yeah, all over. Oh. What a nice job. What a nice job there, Rob. Good job <laughs> making a mess. <laughs> he was trying to balance out the light because we snuffed like all the candles oh. on one side. So he's like, oh, I'll just move this one. And he picks up a tea light after it's been burning for 40 minutes. And he's then, like, it's hot! <laughs> Skaloosh. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all gave him some I guess, Oh, these recorders, some of these recorders are actually kind of expensive. Yeah, they, they're not as cheap as you'd think. Oh, well, there are there, here's high one that's quality ones. Eight, there's, here's one that's 8 gigabytes. That's $26. Voice activated, which would be, uh, be even nicer. But it's probably got a condenser microphone in it. It looks like it's stereo. Uh, there's another one for twenty five dollars. Yeah, I'd say usually between twenty and thirty bucks. Yeah, is what you're looking at for that. And you can find if you have a laptop, you can find a fairly cheap, decent USB mic. Mm-hmm. Sure. And plug it in and just put it out in the middle of the table. Right. Go to town. And you can record. You get download Audible, which is a free re- free recording software. It's terrible, but it works. It's fairly stable. Audible's a recording software. No. Uh, Audacity. Audacity. Like, Audible's my audiobook software. Yes. Audacity. Uh, and also uh, Reaper. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, you can get a free version of Reaper that just has a nag screen on it. And if that's all you're doing with it, you can pay, you can pay for it if you want. I think it's 65 bucks or something like that if you want to get the personal license. But And that's a fantastic recorder. And if you have a, if you just get like a... You know, Yetis and snowballs? I don't even need to go that expensive. They're not even that expensive. They're like 50 bucks. Yeah, but I mean, you could probably be getting something even cheaper. You just need a, an Omni mic. Yeah. If you throw it out in the middle of the table, you're going to pick mm-hmm. up everything that mm-hmm. way. Um, if you have time to see, for me, most of the time, I don't have time to listen through it. Unless, unless of course, you have a timestamp or something like that. 
Ninety um, percent of the time, I can find time. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, it's not. I don't sit down and do it all in one chunk. But it'll be like, oh, I've got ten minutes, so I'm gonna watch or listen to ten minutes of the game, and mm-hmm. if anything comes, because there's a shocking amount of things, like I mentioned before, that I miss during the game. Yeah. Because I'm busy helping someone with a story bit, mm-hmm. right? And the other players around the table are all doing their own thing, and I can't. You can't follow all the conversations. I can't be can't. part of everybody's. Well, well, here, here, streaming. They shouldn't be having side conversations because then no one can hear anything. <laughs> but it's less about side <laughs> conversations saying. and more about their reactions to things okay. that are happening. And then I'm like, oh, they really, they were really into that moment, or right. oh, they that creeped them out. I got to do more of that. Like I'm with Dave. It's kind of a side benefit of being on a podcast is that you have this long running archive. But mm-hmm. there's no reason you can't recreate it in a really small micro manner just sure. for yourself for mm-hmm. for uh, notes. It Re- really is interesting, as you say, to, to to listen to go back and listen and figure out the stuff that you missed or to even remind you like, oh yeah. Or and I, suddenly you get reminded of a, a of oh yeah, that's what we were gonna do. Oh yeah. It's I think you can even set up like your iPhone to stream yeah. to well, the, YouTube or it Twitch. Ju- the real Nate Bob says there's an iOS app called Rec Up, R E C U P, and it sends the audio to your <laughs> to your Dropbox. Oh, so it's R-E-C-U-P. not even U P. Rec Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. Or Recup. Recup. <laughs> but it's like the I C U P. Spell I Cup. I C U P. Come on. It might even be a way to, might I think my daughter told like, me that when she was eight. Right, <laughs> but it's still funny. <laughs> it might even be a way to like they could dictate the entire thing and put it in text and then you can go through and edit it later. If, Probably. if that's the kind of person yeah. you are. <laughs> right, right. Alexa, record my game. Right. Because right. <laughs> you're recording everything else in my house. But right. cool. is it going to record it in the ridiculous accent you created for that NPC? Could be. Well, whatever. It, it, it'll say something like weird accent, un- unintelligible. And then you remember, oh yeah, hey, it was but that's German. me normally. But, uh, like, uh, that's, for example, the the YouTube automatic subtitling algorithm is pretty stupid good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it even gets weird Star Trek names. I think that's why they started um, Google, f- what is it, Google Phone or whatever that was. Just to get you know, their algorithm. When they, when, they, when, it, when, oh, it, yeah. when they say voicemail messages, it's like, how would you rate this tra- this this translation? I think that... Oh, yeah. They know it's going to take a what? lot of development to sure. do it. Might so as well give people free it. phone numbers Mind and then the universe, we'll crowdsource yeah. it. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think that it probably pulled from a lot of different things as well as the whole Google search. You know, where you just ask and oh sure, but, all of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm I haven't done it myself, but I'm 99 percent certain that you can just set up your iPhone or Android phone to stream directly to one of the big video services. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I know, I know there's a Twitch app <coughs> for that, and you can just even if you just get like a cheapy phone mount and put it right in front of your GM screen aimed at your players. Yep, there you go. And you're right. I mean, it, it can and it can get tedious if you completely just sort of want to re-listen to it again and again. I don't actually find anything wrong with that if you have the kind of time you have a long commute, or mm-hmm. if you have, you know, a, a weird work schedule, and you just need. It is when you GM, there is homework involved. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sure, yeah. sorry to say this, and this is a lot easier, I think, than than it used to be, which is writing everything out longhand, but it, you still need to do some homework as a GM, and being able to do something like this at least archives the entire game that you can go back and reference later, yeah. and, you'd, and you have a record. You could even use it against your players when they start doing revisionist history. You're like, uh-uh! Right here, right, you said this. Here are the receipts. Yeah. Timestamp. 
You said it's, this. It's. I think it's a brave new world, and you, you're a fool not to utilize all this yeah. technology we have at our hands these days. And again, it's a good tool as a mm-hmm. GM to also kind of check yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how am I doing? As a player, I'm going to listen to this. If I was playing at this table, does this sound good? See, you know what? I'm glad you brought that back up, because that was something I wanted to follow up, up yeah. on, too, which is, as a GM, there is a performance element to it, and you might be surprised at how boring you might sound. You think you're sounding really entertaining. You think your accent was great, and you listen to yourself, you're like... You you can improve or at least fix things if you hear yourself a couple. You got to be careful of that though, you because ninety nine percent of people, the first time they hear themselves recorded, they hate the way they sound. Oh no, it took years for me oh, to get to yeah. that point. Yeah, years for me. So to get to that you're point. like, oh my god, my voice is so annoying. It's so weird. That's not but what I sound like. I think it's different now because everybody's doing social media and, and it's kind of, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are, are more used to interacting than we ever used to be. It used to be unique. There are people who will never hate the way they sound. Right, right. or <laughs> or they've just gotten used to it. There is more exposure to it. You're right. Yeah, but, that's true. But it's not about not about listening to your own voice and being like, God, I hate my voice. God. It's you listen to yourself GMing, and if you count that you had to use um and uh and um mm-hmm. 45 times in a game session, something you can improve on. Very well said. Yeah, it makes it yeah. talk easier for your... It's not a bad thing. Yeah. I actually, I thought I was in a blind panic my first game. I ran for my mask. I thought I was absolutely, like, crazy. And I went back and listened, like, oh, no, no, I'm okay. Because what was in your head was completely different than what it sounded well, like. Well, because I felt like I was, like, on a roller coaster that I'm somehow also driving. You were. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm yeah. holding this rudder, but I don't think it does anything. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That exactly. The squall's coming in, guys. Ah! It's like when you get on one of the little driving rides that's not actually a car, and the wheel is like. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then the thing's just like. Autopia at Disneyland. Yeah. No, I'm talking about when it's not a car. Oh. And it's, you just kind of can spin the wheel all you want, and it's it, just. It's really more like getting on a horse for the first time, and you think that you know you've got the reins, and so you're going to steer this thing and do it. No, it's got a mind of its own, and it will look back at you and go, oh, "No, we're not sticking. I'm going to stop and eat." And you're like, "It's going to bite you." Move. Oh, oh is that a trail? That's cute. We're going this way now. Yeah. It's. I, I think that's because you're not being aggressive enough with it. Well, whatever. <laughs> I also had a, I had a really old lame horse because I basically go, I don't know how to ride. And they're like, "You right. get on, you get on old paint there." But then you're scared. You don't want to pull too hard, right? Well, yes, but, uh, but that's kind of this allegory, the still, th- this allegory is still working out really well for GMing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not backing down. All right. <laughs> and if you fall off the horse, <laughs> get back it. on it and keep mm-hmm. on riding into the sunset. Just put those 25 cents in that machine. Or at least get on it and let the horse go where it's going to go. You're, you just are along for the ride. Sandbox addendum from Joe in the IE. That's Inland Empire for those of you who are not from Southern California. That is a, that is a very ironic name for San Bernardino, San Bernardino and Riverside counties. It's not Internet Explorer, which is Methville. Yes, <laughs> it is inland, <coughs> and it is someone's drug empire. <coughs> there are perhaps several drug empires there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they overlap, and there's territory wars and fun. Happy Stu, but there's a lot of good people that live there too. Yes, way to, way to backpedal now. Yeah. No, I. Places have there's problems. A, there's a lot of good people who've moved out of the Inland Empire. <laughs> <laughs> there's some good people that live there still. For all two of your listeners from the Inland Empire, we're sorry. Uh, I'm laughing because I was one of them. <laughs> and Kimmy was the other. Right. There's been two. Two people have made their way out. 
Uh, I'm listening to your advice about setting up a sandbox, and I have a little to add. You, uh, this, this email is in two parts, by the way. Uh, he actually sent two emails. He sent one and then sent another one a couple days later. Uh, but they were threaded. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not like eyebrows. I'm okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it hurts, by the way. Have you ever had that done? No. Fuck no. It hurts so bad. I cry when I pull out a mustache. It is a awful. <laughs> a friend of mine's like, it's going to hurt less than wax. It's going to be fine. Bullshit. That is a lie. It takes longer and it hurts more. <laughs> You pull, you pull a mustache yes, hair out the with a worst. can of coke. Uh, you, hear that, you hear that? Bing, bing. bing. Like, yeah. Ah. You're like, how did that even happen? Why does it hurt so much? Just imagine it just getting it caught in a thread and it just keeps pulling it over and over, over and over and no mustache threading. It's going to be the new thing. I swear. <laughs> oh fuck that noise! <laughs> mustache. Might as well just slap a bunch of duct tape on your face and rip it off. Oh. Uh, that hurts. Wow, that uh, hurts. It's the 40-year-old version. Right. You recommend a lot of prep up front. We're talking about sandbox. I don't think it needs to be as intense as you're making it sound. I'm currently running a sandbox-type game. Okay. You need to let it go. Stop. No. Okay. This is important. All because right. one of the biggest problems with this hobby is people use terms... And it means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. And so they're literally talking past each other because they're not using the same definitions for words that other people are using. So I'm going to ask you. I've, I've always contended that a sandbox game, and, I, and there are people on the forum that disagree with me, that a sandbox game is a game where the plot hooks come from the players rather than the GM. Hmm. And then on the forum they're like, no, you can have plot hooks in a sandbox game. Okay. Then what's the difference, I would contend, between a sandbox game and a good game that isn't railroady? I would say the difference is a sandbox game is you've created the world and you have plot hooks kind of scattered throughout the world. And if they go into the woods, there's a plot hook there. If they go into the swamp, there's a plot hook there. The desert. They can go anywhere they want and something will happen. Versus a regular game where the GM might have a better idea of, this is where my story's going to go. This is kind of the idea that I have, where I kind of want them to, the story I want them to experience, and then they'll experience the way they're going to experience it. But a sandbox is very much more. Here is my playground. Go play in the playground I built for you. I feel like we should make a divide between sandbox and open world. Okay, I'm so, listening. So, open <laughs> world game would be what you're talking about. There's GM-produced narrative bits that exist in the open world for people to find, right? And sandbox should be a term that's used for entirely like, all right, there you go, there's some sand, get in there and do what you're going to do, let's see, I'm going to edge, you know, I'm going to adjudicate what's happening here, but that's all you. Okay. Right? That that I see because the thing is, a sandbox is a wooden box with a bunch of sand in it and maybe some cat shit, and that's it. Right. Anything you're going to do in that box is brought by you. Is all you? Yeah. It's that's what why, the players so bring people, into the sandbox. It drives me crazy. People yeah. are using the term sandbox, and it's not a sandbox. That's it's that's, a playground. Well, that's to or, me. Um, it's an amusement right. park, and that's to me what, when I hear sandbox. That's what I think of, right? See, because like an amusement, what you're describing is what, to me would be more like an amusement park. 
I'm at Disneyland. I can go anywhere I want, and there's something entertaining happening. There's art everywhere. There's fountains everywhere. There's, there's music everywhere. There's parades. There's rides all over the place. There's not a place you can go except maybe the bathrooms to find entertainment. And maybe there, too. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing in the bathrooms at Disneyland, but... Yelling at, my kid, yelling at my kids not to... Here's, don't touch that! <laughs> right. Here's, here's the, here's we the, don't put our hands in here. Here's the, the gray area that I fall into, and, and yes, I agree with you, and I'm not, I don't want to turn this into a whole a whole debate about what is a sandbox, but when you create a world, whether it's a sandbox or an open world, you still have got a government, a king, uh, you, you, sure. a, a, the name in the inn, that independent <laughs> of, the, of the players you've had to sort of come up with. And therefore... When they say, well, what's the king? And what kind of government and monarchy do we have? Now you've already imposed your uh, a, a plot or a, a, a thing upon their sandbox. So it's, it's completely impossible to just go, I don't know, what kind no. of monarchy do you want in this world? No, I, no, no, I, don't, no, no, I disagree. No. You yeah. could say that? You could say to them, well, what kind of king because do you want? Because somebody had to p- put the timber to hold the sand in place. Well, yes. Right. And somebody had to buy the bags of sand, and some cat had to come and take a shit. Somebody had to put the sand in there. So all of those things happen before the players get there. Yes. And maybe some guy left needles in it. Right. That all could right. be in there, and people, the players will find them when they get there. I get that. But what's I understand. the difference between the guy leaving needles in the sandbox versus... <laughs> Coming up with plot hooks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, 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 because the needle is... You live in this kingdom. There is a king. Okay. Well, I was and just going to say that's catchy. It's too. at war with this kingdom next door. That's catchy. That's too. not a plot hook. No, that sounds like completely like a plot hook. To no, me. that is just a statement of the world. Yeah, it's like saying a plot it's, hook would it's be raining. It's like it's like, it's like call, calling weather a plot hook. It's raining. Oh, I I must quest for an umbrella. Sure, but that, I mean that's not. No, that's not a plot. <laughs> that's hook. not what we're talking about. <laughs> Like, We're talking about things that... It, like, oh, hey, welcome to our kingdom. We're at war with the kingdom next door. Uh, yeah, cool. Oh, look, you see a guy skulking through the shadows. Now a- you've introduced a plot hook. Now the people are like, what's that guy doing? Let me follow him. Let's or, see what's happening. Or the party gets robbed because there's a food shortage because they're at war and their city's under siege. And I think that I think that, that... You've created a plot hook. I think yeah. that those... That those distinctions are important because I think that people thinking that you've created a monarchy that in the town, let's say... Is a way of establishing a plot hook, as just as Joey was implementing, and I've even implied that. I think that a lot of people think you've created. So, I just want to be clear that yes, you've still you've still built the sandbox, you've still built a structure. There's still a world. You built a world, but then how you utilize it might be a bit different than. See, I, I don't think a true sandbox game. I think those are incredibly rare. I think you're probably yeah. right, and, and I would di- I would differentiate between a a sandbox game. And a a, a, na- a narratively collaborative game like an apocalypse world game, okay, because that's literally the players and the GM collaborating to come up, building the world and building what the plot complications are going to be. Right. Okay. You, see, you, know, you know, see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think that's not quite the same thing. But I just think that a, an actual sandbox game, I don't think they exist. I mean, there might be someone doing it. I have played in a sandbox game, a true. But you made characters. What, the Happy Jack's official definition of a true sandbox game. Now, yeah, okay, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. With uh, here's what happened. Where's my gavel? We sat down. You need one. We start the game. Cool. <coughs> here's a town. You've gotten to the town. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Right. Is there anything going on in town? No, not really. What do you want to do? 
We can have something. It'd be a festival. Hmm? But there wasn't. Right. <laughs> it was. If there wanted to be, if we wanted a festival. We needed to go hire a promoter. <laughs> and that's my issue with your definition of a sandbox. You want to put a festival in there, then you put blocks in the sandbox. You do. What? Yeah. Which, or catch it. Like for me, that game was a nightmare. Right. Oh sure. Because I was like I. Boring us. Oh. I don't think like, I, don't I can understand like that could be a, a definition of a sandbox. That's why I don't think that is the common definition of a sandbox because no one would play that game. I don't think there is a common definition of a sandbox. But I, I think, think people in their own little pea brains have their own ideas Whoa, of what. Brains, yes, now. everyone has their own idea of what a sandbox game is. And many of them have not seen a sandbox. No, because the idea of a sandbox <laughs> game comes from new video games like Breath of the Wild, like Skyrim. Those are considered sandbox games, or also no, known see, as I open call world. Open games. world. Is but what's open the world difference? Games. What would be the di- what? Because you, what makes Skyrim a open world game versus a sandbox game? Because you walk into a town and some shit happens, right? And you choose how you interact with that. That's mm-hmm. an open world experience. Okay. Things are happening in an open world. But why couldn't you call that, that a sandbox? you're not in charge. But a sandbox would be... Here's a town. I'm in a forest. I want to build a town. All right, I'm going to get to work building a town. A sandbox game, as far as video games, would be like Minecraft. Where you, there yeah. literally is no plot. I mean, there is, kind of is a plot with another world now, but that's a more recent development. Yeah, but just but basic... That, that's a sandbox. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, I'm going to build an 8-bit computer out of... Firestone or whatever. Right. So there you go. Anyway, back to his email. <laughs> now let me get this dead horse. I'm off with me now. I'm with Sue, believe it or not. I am. I disagree. The, I will I will concede, like, but I disagree. I, I, no, still, no, and, and that's fine. You can write a dissenting well, opinion. So yeah, that's you fine. can write a dissenting opinion. And it'll be part and of I the will. law. It will be from part of the Yes. And I'm still kind of in the camp that <laughs> Uh, like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, which is the very act of observing a game and 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 adjudicating a game as a GM changes the nature of the game. Well, sure, yeah, and, sure. and therefore it, it, like you said, doesn't truly become a sandbox anymore, even if you yes and, because it, it, you have now imposed a thing. So see, the sandbox to, to me means something very specific. Yes. Because when I was a kid, I played in sandbox. <laughs> right. I don't even know if they have sandbox. They may not even. No, they wood chips now. Which wood chip boxes now? Which You're, is not entirely no, not the same. A lot can, less cat shit, I bet. I though. was going to say. I can tell you played them. <laughs> My friend had a had a sandbox, and we would go down there, and it was always cat shit in it. Of course. But as a kid, it you, is. Cats you didn't really know. Someone built me a really big toilet. Awesome. Right. And as a kid, you were like, "Well, there's a thing in here. Let's build that. Let's use that. I'm going to put that in my dump truck." Right. Mm. <laughs> I can't say I as a child I ever played with cat shit in a sandbox. Well, you didn't know what it was. You probably thought it was a little baby Ruth bar. Baby Ruth? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You thought little little bits of almond roca. It was a dirt clot until you threw it at somebody. You're like, ew, this almond smells. Almond roca. <laughs> it's cat almond roca. Anyway, get out. <laughs> All right. Where do, where do we leave I'm currently off running a, a sandbox type <laughs> game. I'm currently running an open world type game uh, with the rotating player base for each session. <laughs> also needs to be. Are you, <laughs> Dave's gonna die. I turned off my mic. <laughs> so each session also needs to be a complete adventure. Remember the rotating roster of the ER staff. Um, my challenge has been cutting my content to fit. 
Oh, so, so I, I just now decipher what he was. It's eating. hard. The ER staff. Uh, what he's talking about is the the show ER yeah, right. and mm-hmm. the rotating staff, which is actually a really cool analogy. I like that. And that, and that running an episodic game is hard. Yeah. Um, I have found that my players have been most comfortable with three potential storylines to choose from to choose from each session. Most people can only keep a handful of things in their head at once. Anyway, that's absolutely true. Uh, this works. To the GM's benefit, because you only need to prep a few possibilities. Five to nine. That's not a few. That's more than a few. That's several. Yeah, that's several. <laughs> to make it feel the like legion many. Of like many. Right. To make it feel like endless possibilities. Here's what I'd recommend for prep. One, put a starting location in the middle of some place too dangerous to travel more than a day in any direction. I don't see that right there. That's that's no. I agree. That's not sandboxy or open world. That's kind of railroady. Yeah, that that's that's a passive. Railroad. That is. Oh, there's a dog in my way. I can go that way. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a sea of lava. I guess I'm not going to sail across mm-hmm. the sea. Um, two, make each hex touching the starting hex a uniquely identifiable region. Do you want to go to the dead fens or the haunted forest? Um, plant a hook in each hex. He did a hex. This is a hex crawl game. I think he was doing. Seven total. I don't show my players the hexes. It's an organizational tool. I just show them the map. You don't necessarily need seven adventures either. You can string two to three hooks on an adventure. They're only going to pick one. You have time. Brainstorm. You know what? That's a good point right there. They really are only going to pick one. They might get easily distracted if you throw way too many at them. If it's oh, like, sure. well, what about this? What about this? It's like, once they pick one, dude, that's settle on that. Cool. You know what though? It is really fun watching them almost drown. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> like that was my favorite part of the Tales from the Loop thing because those poor kids. I established a storyline that they were playing with, but then I did that con game where the events of the con game affected the affected their yeah. town. That's cool. That was such a great idea. That was all going on. At the, simultaneously, oh, okay, and so they started seeing weird shit happening, and they were like, <coughs> "What are we supposed to do?" This about is distracting us from our mission, right? Yeah, yeah, but by the end, they were like, "I have so many things we need to do," and it's fun. Oh, it's it fun is. to watch it them is. go. Ah. Yeah, but there were a lot of. There's still a lot of unresolved, which I guess gives you ammo for the next games, right? Absolutely, or you don't have to resolve everything. No. no. I mean, it's some some of the best. Leave them one thing more, right? All these baited plot hooks just sitting in the water, empty. Yeah. Brainstorm uh, number four. Brainstorm some evocative, fantastical place names: Dawn's Watch, the Blood Spire, the Den of Methuselah. Um, these are uh, they can spot these in the distance on their way to their quest and decide whether to investigate. The Den of Methuselah. I think that's a place in the IE, actually. I, I totally am now flashing back. I totally <laughs> forgot about this. Methuselah. The Den of yes. Methuselah. I totally forgot about this. I, I am just now flashing back. There was a the guy. The world's used to, oldest meth head. Sorry. There's a guy I used to play with named Perkins Dearborn. Mm-hmm. Perky. And he, he was the laziest map keeper ever. He would have the blue field of green grasses. He would have he would have the small town of big people, the, and all of his things were named this stuff. And we would read his maps, and we're like, and it was hysterical and funny. But he it was just sort of lazy. It wasn't really evocative at all, but just sort of the little town of big people is not very evocative. No. Although it could be kind of that kind of reminds me of the attack of the fifty foot woman, right? Well, yeah, and you know, in, in a way, you're like, is it full of big people or is it? No, yeah, it's just like a storm giant town of eight people, right? Like, <laughs> anyway, carry on. I'm sorry, I was. Story from my past. I totally forgot about it until just now. 
Five. <laughs> Paint the known world and one hex beyond. That's two days travel in each direction in broad strokes. Know what kind of things could be there. You don't need to get specific until you're prepping an adventure. And some adventures... <coughs> Excuse me. Or locations could be in multiple regions. Microscope could work here here well. Microscope is the wor- yeah. sort of world history building game, which is fantastic. <coughs> or you could just do it yourself. Uh, the important thing is to only prep just beyond what the players will see in the session. This will help focus your attention on what matters to bring what to bring to the table. Let the world get deep as you play. Get let the world get deep as you play and, and as you fill in your map. He's basically saying what we and what you have been proselytizing forever too, which is, you know, I remember when we did the Ellaby game, you kind of had a coastline <coughs> to some trees and a, like two towns. And I then had a map. We, you did. I had a full a map of the that area and this like, but the but then as we went, the you, city you went to is the only thing I really prepped. I just name stuff yeah. exactly, and, and, and mm. then again in a broader strokes too, which is like you need to break into the wizard's house. I have a map of the house, and I have I and that's it. Right. However, you get in there, that's up to you. But uh, again, it's 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 that's very similar. What he's saying here, which is, you, you you bring you prep what you need, which is the house. I've got a house. I've got a wizard, and I have an idea of what the wizard has done to his house to make sure that people can't get in. And now, you figure out how to get in. Right. Or if, if you want to leave, I have a, I have a map here, and this is the area that you know, and we'll just figure yeah. out the terrain from there. It's I, I think that's that helps <coughs> everybody. Because now the players have, are invested and can create stuff, allows them to come up with stuff. If you've re, if you've written ahead of time how many you know how many leagues the town is away and what their government is and stuff, you you are going to unconsciously or subconsciously railroad or inform the players. I think it's it's fun to have them just come up with stuff. Yeah. Four adventures. One start with a lot of options. Again, seven is a good starting number to make it seem infinite. Three to five is fine if you have Seven's a infinite. pretty good uh, idea of what the player is like. I think three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't want to take one of the three, then they can go build a strip bar. <laughs> uh, one of the, one is fine if you're trying to showcase something specific and they're going to go along with it. Two, use fantastical places. Spires, ruins, fortifications, castles, henges, henge fairy circles... Unknown towns, ghost towns, ghost ships Offer them up as rumors or shiny bits of distraction Off in the distance Put something valuable inside the first few So the players know they're worth investigating uh, They're a nice place for optional puzzles And bits of lore as well uh, Three, make sure Make sure Adventure, each adventure ends uh, Make each adventure end With one or two plot hooks And remind the players about past Plot, plot hooks that are still open I like to advance plot hooks that Go ignored for several sessions to make the world feel alive. I, same mm-hmm. thing. I did that in mm-hmm. Vampire Game all the time. People, yeah. I, there were so many dropped plot hooks. I I so appreciate that. I so appreciate being reminded of stuff because you know I didn't remind you of shit. I, I reminded you of shit when it's like, oh, you've when waited. Boiled over. You've waited too long to deal with the werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> now they're going to start attacking you and killing you. That was all perfect though. It was perfect <laughs> vampire infighting. We got so caught up in infighting, right. we forgot to deal with the Which, clear and present danger. Makes perfect sense. Perfect sense, because they're they're solitary predators. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not good at working together. No, they never will no. be. <laughs> and, and it's completely like them. It's like we're, we're immortal. We'll just get to it when we get to it. It could be 10, 20 years from now. That's fine. That's plenty of time. Just put a fucking What's the pin rush? in it. Put a right. pin in it. We'll get to it in twenty years. It'll be fine. They'll all die off eventually. It's fine. Right. Yeah. We'll have all new especially problems. werewolves. Yeah. Right. 
They'll kill each other. Meanwhile, we've got to work out this whole Sabbat thing. They're ephemeral. <laughs> See, that's the scary ones, the Sabbat, because they're all blood-bound to each other, so they, they're not solitary predators no. suddenly. Then they're suddenly working they, as a team. Right, they tend to work together, yeah. For the horde. Right. In short, prep a handful of hooks and replace them one at a time as they get used. Prep what you need for your adventures and know what's one hex beyond. Prep evocative, fantastical places you can drop anywhere. Prep whatever you need to feel prepared. Names for NPCs, stores, place, space stations, hotels, hostels, hostlers. What's a hostler? I'm unfamiliar with the word. It's like a hostel, only um, it's a porn hostel. Oh, or a skate hostel? Mm, like a, well, I was just going to say... It's, it's an angrier hostel. It's an angrier hostel, yeah. Is it a purveyor of a hostel? A man employed to look after horses. Horses. Oh. Or people oh. staying at an inn. So, yeah. yeah. Hostler. I had not heard that. Farriers, furriers, furries. I don't put furries. They make me uncomfortable. Uh, interrupt your adventure. <laughs> even Mickey Mouse makes me uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I'm, even as a little kid... I don't like the costumed people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind costumed people, but encased. No, no. Well, when they're I, in their like furry mech suits, no. No, I enjoy people that <laughs> come up with cool costumes. That that sounded wrong. Yeah, I, yeah. I I mean, like someone goes to a convention and has an amazing costume. That's rad. Mm-hmm. But those people aren't trying to come up to me and be all friendly or like. Wave! I'm not waiting in line to stand with them for a picture no. because my kids and want you to. You know those costumes, especially ones that reek inside. Right? Oh, I'm oh, yeah. sure. I was. I've been, I've been called back for that a couple times, and I've had to get in costume. Like, this is awful. This is not. That's why they I have like twenty minute shift. It's got to be horribly hot inside. You're sweating mm-hmm. all over the place. How thoroughly can they be laundered? The better they used to be. Some of them have fans and things, but yeah, they can. Some of the bigger ones do, yeah. Did I tell you See, the I time I accidentally wandered into a, uh, a furry convention? <laughs> oh, no, hey, Joey, we're going to stop right now. You've got to tell us. Because that, you can't just leave that line. Put the brakes on the show. Yep. Okay. Right. <laughs> Let's hear about Joey's furry convention. So, furry story. I was. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Go for it. I was in desperate need of visiting a. Uh, yeah, give me one while you're up, too. <laughs> this is going to take a while. It's not going to take long. I've told it a couple times. I'm really good at it at this point. Um. <laughs> I was in need of a FedEx Kinkos. I was printing some stuff out. I was on my way to a rehearsal for somewhere. And I just Google mapped. Oh, where's the nearest FedEx Kinkos? Oh, it's at this hotel in... Um, not Santa Ana. Uh, Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. The IE. <laughs> no, that's not IE. That's so I'm like, okay. I'll just, I know. It's funnier. Right. See, All it's right. But I'll, just, I'll swing in there real quick. Print out what I need to print out. Be on my merry way. Pull into the parking lot. Like, wow, this is really busy. A really busy hotel. But okay, whatever. Driving through the parking lot, I see these people walking out, and someone's like in normal dress, like wearing a tail. Like, well, we're near theme parks. That's not weird. That's fine. That's not, you know, I'm not out of how far to the ordinary. I go park my car, have my ticket. I'm gonna go to Kinko's. People at Renfair wear tails. Right, exactly. I'm not. I'm not that uncomfortable yet. Right. I'm walking, <laughs> and I see more people walking out, and some people are wearing like you know cat ears, or whatever. I'm like, okay, again, we're like theme park adjacent. That's not weird. Close to Mesa. What theme park? Well, is theme it? park, like you know, oh, if you're you from outside of California, Disneyland's not okay. far, not right. isn't far. Got it. So I go into the hotel, and I'm trying to figure out where the Kinkos is, and I, I go down the hallway, and I remember vividly making this left hand turn into the ballroom. Sea of fur. Sea of furries. <laughs> furries as far as the eye could see. Purple squirrels and pink dragons. I was just like, and... I, my jaw dropped. I, I could not believe what is, was happening. 
and I found you're a fairly open minded kind of guy. Right, I am. I'm like you know, if that's you, like I'm not going to yuck on your yum. Like go go live your life. But still, I just wasn't ready but to go to a furry convention. But still, your jaw so dropped open. I just it was it was a lot. And so I find one of the hotel workers who was working there who just had this look on his face. Can and you just ask, like can you get me out of here, please? I looked at him like I'm so sorry. Where is the Kinkos? He didn't. He just pointed. He was just. Oh, thank thousand God. yard stare. Yeah, right. <laughs> thousand yard stare. <laughs> it's like thousand Rambo. yards of felt stare. Um, and I find the king goes, and I'm sitting there like waiting to print stuff out and just watching people go by. And I saw some like there were the typical furry costumes. Like okay, and hearing people talk like we're at a gaming convention. Oh, you know this convention's good, but it's not like the Vegas convention. The Vegas convention last year was much better. Oh, I know, but it actually has gotten worse because two years ago the Vegas convention was great. But it sounds like this yeah, could be all wearing masks. Exactly. And I'm like okay. <laughs> This is happening. Like I have a like a fishbowl <coughs> in this kinkos. I'm looking at the world of furries. Right. Okay, that's cool. None of, them, none of them came in to print something out real quick. No, no, no it was just it was like a good, nice little so barrier. It's, that, it's very different from an RPG convention, right? <laughs> my, my favorite thing ever. What I wasn't expecting was I saw a guy walk by as Raptor Jesus. Raptor Jesus. Are you unfamiliar with Raptor Jesus? Oh no, I guess so. I'm not. So is Raptor that? Jesus is an online thing. It's an it's oldish like an old, meme, old meme. Oldish meme where it's being you know, a picture of Jesus. With- with yes. a raptor on his head, okay. and it said the quote is nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus is not a raptor. <laughs> and I saw someone dressed as Raptor Jesus, and I was like, "All right, you win. You are my hero of Furryville." But not was it a furry raptor, or was it no. actually like? Oh, see now that well, it was like a, a rubber mass raptor. Okay, that that that's what I'm saying. It's not a it's not a fur it's not a fuzzy cute raptor. No, well right. raptors aren't fuzzy. It's a scary. Right. But uh, but well, see I would I would picture a raptor at a furry convention to be furry and fuzzy and you know yellow or something. Oh no, he was very reptilian. Like big bird. Okay. Like big bird. <laughs> Look, they're saying a lot of raptors had feathers now, so. <laughs> right. Maybe Big Bird was a raptor. Right. I'm just saying. Right. We don't watch now. He, he would have eaten Snuffleupagus. His best friend his best friend was a mascot. Why, why go after Snuffleupagus when there's all those children? Because Much easier look to catch. at all that meat on Snuffleupagus. <laughs> right. That's a one kill you're eating for a month. Yeah, but he's alone. He doesn't have a pack. And he's, he's not, not good at preserving the meat. It wouldn't last right. that long. He's gonna get, he's, he's gonna kill that thing, eat for a day, and then carrion eaters are gonna eat the rest of it. Well, no, because raptors are very good at opening kitchen doors, so he could have, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> in the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> well played, Joey. All right, you. well played. Okay, he does have what's his face's store. Also, uh, oh yeah, Hooper, Mr. Hooper's Mr. store. Anyway, what are we doing? I don't know. Anyway, it works for me, Joe, in the IE. Uh, and then he wrote a second one because he found something interesting. Oh, I actually have to say, I like everything that he says about this. If I agree not, with yes. some of it. As long as you don't want to call I, it a sandbox game. Some of that I think is overprepping. We'll also, let go of the whole sandbox thing and just say that this is actually a really cool idea if, if you if, if this is what works for you and for your players. If this my, is what you need. Because yeah. I, I, I've i done a lot of these things. My only issue is that he calls it open world slash sandbox. But that, just well, let no, 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 no. Let me finish my thought. My issue is he calls it that, and his first thing is, okay, but put barriers around their starting towns. They can't go much further than a day and a half. Not a sandbox. That's a very small sandbox. That's a litter box. You're playing a litter box game. I mean, it sort of is a sandbox because a sandbox has borders, and outside of that, you're on asphalt, and it's not sand anymore. (laughs) I suppose. Or rubber mats or wood chips. I'm I'm an admitted... uh, over world builder, I love building worlds. Sure, and I love coming up with ideas when the world, you know, oh my god, wouldn't this be cool? It's all oh my god, oh, and so I, I just my, uh, that's my favorite part. So yeah, I've done much of this because well, it's fun for me. Um, 
the trick is to not impose that. You just have them standing by. But I don't mind coming up with I, these I, things. Ha- having seven plot hooks, I think. I've, I don't think I've ever come up with that many. That's just so much work. I'll Dave, come, yeah. Dave can vouch for it. I have. I'll come up with oh, <laughs> no, to actually be ready to present to the players at the table. No, two, no well, two or three. Those those early con games. <laughs> oh, Stork would literally prep like a phone book's worth of shit. Yeah, and be right. like, "Here we go." And I'm so like, you went on what they're that do. is it's nine a, conventions. A, right, this is a four-hour game, not a four-year game. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I would say maybe prepping seven plot hooks, but really only three or four adventures. And having different plot hooks, multiple plot hooks for the same adventure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that would make sense. But that's, yeah, that's, seven separate. That's kind of like the yikes. three clue rule. Like if you're gonna, you, you want them to go to this place, yeah. give them three different reasons why. Mm-hmm. Maybe I love that. That was yeah. life changing. That advice, life changing. Uh, his second email. Hey guys, I'm writing back to share an amazing tool I found for preparing a game, TV series Bibles. TV series are written collaboratively by teams of writers, and sometimes they farm work out to guest writers. To keep everything consistent, they write a short document describing the story world, characters, enemies, and past plots. This can also be part uh, be party of a of the spec for the new show to help demonstrate you have enough material to keep the show going. Um, right. When you do things on spec, you're basically right showing everybody. Yeah. Proof. I thought that meant for free. It does. Okay. But if you're already employed, it's you the hopeful people, yes. free. Because what was that movie? Tapeheads? Wow. Remember Tapeheads? Yes. Damn. I want to spank your bald head and then lick it. And that was uh, 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 John. Lovitz? Lithgow. What? I'm just naming Johns. Anyway. I got good news. I got you work. But it's on spec. <laughs> I, I want to see John Urkel. <laughs> I, I, I lick your head. <laughs> I can money to And that. it's got Devo in it. Yes. My yes. baby doll, doll, doll. Because they're singing with those weird ass Swedish yep. accents. It's awesome. They were they played a Swedish band. Devo did, and the, and the, it, it's a very funny movie. I'm aware of the film. Yes, well, you've I'm, never I'm, heard of it. I have no idea what you're talking it's about. It's called Tapeheads, and it's these two guys that want to start a music video company. Yeah, this is like probably '87, '88. I'm guessing. MTV just yeah, like, took off a few years earlier. Everyone and his brother-in-law wants to go out and make music videos. So th- th- they're desperately trying to do that. They're, they do a commercial, but they can't, they can't get any work doing that stuff, so they have to do other stuff. They end up doing a commercial for Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles, it's, which is fucking awesome. It has the, the greatest song ever in it. Come on up on his name. High Fidelity and... Um, John, John Cusack? Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack's in it, right? And it's him. I don't remember who the other guy is. Yeah. But John Cusack's all I remember because yeah. I, I John love his John Cus- Cusack is sort of the flimflam, yeah. face guy, and then the other guy is like the I'm the struggling artist yes. guy. And I yes. don't remember who that art, yes. that actor is. But it, it's I damn it. Yeah, so I bet you the chat room's already got it, lit it up. But unless there's no one there old enough to know what I'm talking about, which is entirely possible. Who even know who John Cusack is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everybody uh, should know John Cusack. We, great, great. We artist. know who John Cusack That's right. is. I did have it right in my head. Tim what? Robbins. Tim Robbins. Okay, yeah. Yes. When's the last time you had a wing with a waffle? That that's too long. It ought to be unlawful. Maybe that's why <laughs> Tim Robbins was in High Fidelity. Mm. Oh, maybe. And it deals with music. Oh, crossover. It's the same Almost. people. Same universe. Yeah, same universe. Do I'm buying the Tim Robbins that. cinematic universe. Yep, buying into that. Advice. Older, older happens later. And then he gets imprisoned because of it. Advice <laughs> abounds on the internet, but the best overview is here. And I'll put this link. I'll try to remember to put this link in the show notes. I almost never do, but I'll try. Uh... 
shorescripts.com what is a TV series Bible? I suppose if you put in shortscripts.com what is a TV series Bible, it'll come up. And that way I don't have to put show notes. Or just, knows? Yeah, short scripts or TV right. series Bibles. Right. I and a ton of examples there. here at shortscripts.com slash TV series Bibles. Shore script. Like yeah, shore. Like S-H-O-R-E. Seashore. Yeah. Yeah. Or Not Polyshore. like Poly. It is like Poly yeah. Shore. Yeah. Or Mitzi Shore. Only a lot less annoying. Right. Start a comedy, comedy club? Comedy, uh, comedy no, store. Comedy store. Comedy Store. Comedy store. store. Comedy store. Sellers in New York. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, one page pitch uh, describing uh, a game world and kinds of stories that will that you will play out. Getting this right can help plot hooks and tell them what kind of characters to make. That's actually not a bad idea. Having yeah. structuring it kind of after that, I, I wouldn't make it too long though. Oh, I would do like yeah. a con no. blur, like when you're playing right. a game at a con. Like this is the game's about. You you call it elevator pitch, right? It, it, it's there's a lot of terms for the same thing, but which is you, you want to condense your great ideas down to a paragraph, right? Uh, if you can fit your game description on Twitter, you've done something right. <laughs> uh, one page. Your mic might be off. Oh. Oh, one page max synopsis for each character no, if they are made. I didn't meet you. Okay. Uh, or each character class's role in the game world, uh, if different from the game book or like D and D, it's not always very clear. Uh, for a new game, one to two paragraphs. Each is probably plenty. This uh, helps the players choose a character or class that ties into the game world. Players, stop reading here. The rest is for the GM. Well, this is a podcast again. Okay, if you're if you don't GM, pause. The, no, don't pause. If you're, if you're in his game, don't listen. Right. Skip hum, forward. Happy birthday to yourself for seconds. the next thirty seconds. Uh, one page describing the game world in broad strokes. Minimum necessary info here. With focus, with a focus on things that will come up, come to the table, major regions the players may get to, major current conflicts, big enemies who are active. One page describing the starting location includes adventure hooks, cool places to visit, interesting people, local conflicts. Again, focus on things that will that will make it into the game. One page synopsis of an overarching plot, if there is one. Brief adventure synopses. Uh, one paragraph summary suit pretty well. Uh, gives you, gives you hooks and central conflicts for several stories, so there's always something to do. Then, however, you prep individual adventures, have adventures ready for the first game. Not counting the character descriptions, which may or may not be required, this comes out to five pages of game world. Enough depth and breadth to kindle the adventure, but small enough to create to be created in a sitting, and you can wrap your head around it all at once. Thanks for everything you do. Joe in the IE, Yeoman Colubris. I've actually read um, some of these uh, TV Bible things. And basically what you're doing is you're trying to condense... Take Game of Thrones, for example. How would you pitch that to a guy who you know, sits in suntans all day with his trophy wife and, and you're trying to... This is something you're passionate about. How do, you, how do you... So you're very careful with your phrasing. You're very careful about being clear because this guy's attention span is very short. Right. Because he's and, all coked up, and, uh, well, and or just or just doesn't get it. His world is about golf, and, <coughs> and, or whatever. He's just not going to get it. So you need to make sure that you, you you get this. You hit it quick. You get it on there, and then he's able to edit. And it's interesting. I totally get that. There's, it, it, it basically it's going to take you a month to winnow down your Game of Thrones concept into a pitch that this guy can digest in a ten minute read, and. It's a really great skill, and if you can do it, 
I mean, yeah, you, you've basically condensed this entire really cool idea down to a point where you're now selling it to this dude. Because you really don't have a lot of time, and you're going to lose people's interest very quickly if it's seven to eight pages. I think I did that to you once. I came up with a world thing, and I, and I just, like, fap, and you're like, I got two pages in, and I stopped. And I went, okay. I don't know if fap is the right autobahn. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> that was a choice. That was a was bold it, choice. was a choice, wasn't it? I uh, think it would be thumped. Look, there was a... <laughs> Or thump. If we're gonna go with Dom, if we're gonna go with Don Martin sound effects, you're probably yes. right. Yeah, uh, there, <laughs> there is a po- there is a point where you're like, I, it sounds great. Can uh, can you make it more interesting? I, I I I get it. It's and it is a skill, but you you can't just write that the first time. You you're gonna have to write it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Oh sure, it, absolutely. It. Yeah. Uh, you're a journalist. I'm sure oh, you've oh. had to come up with. A byline very quickly to grab their interest, right? Well, byline is a journalism. well, yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, like a story pitch mm-hmm. is what they would call it. Yeah. Well, but this is very much the kind of world prep that I do. Mm-hmm. Like I never really thought about it as being like a, a TV series script bible kind of a situation, but that's very much the situation that I do. Um, although now this has inspired me that I think it would be super fucking cool. One of these game cons, if we just all swapped games. Oh. Just write a Bible and then hand it to them and go, you, just, you run you my know, game? Yeah, like you kind of know yours. about this. Or here's a little bit of the prep stuff. Uh, here. How about uh, Stu's going to run Freak Show? and That's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> right? But I think it'd be super fun. I think it'd be super fun to see what for a guest, whom? No, what a guest GM would do with a game well, world. I think that the issue do for a one shot Saturday is have two different groups come in playing the same game run by two different GMs. Oh yeah, that could be cool too. Yeah, all right. Prepped by a third GM. I would I would love to see somebody run Freak Show. I would love to see, like say see how Bill ran Freak Show. Even if it was an adventure we'd already run before, I would love to see how they interpret it and how they handle it. Because that you're right, that would be interesting, but maybe only to me and not to the players. I don't know. Well, well yeah, it's not going to be the same Bill's players. a great GM. I'm, I'm not saying he isn't, because I'm sure that would actually be a great game. But I, I, maybe I see, maybe you're right. Convince like, me. Can you write out a paragraph or two yeah, explaining why this I is a great this. idea? I think, I think it's cool. <laughs> I think I could sell Stu on it. What? One of these times, we come up with we do like the the great Happy Jack swap. Mm-hmm. So like, which is Stork different I, than the way it sounds. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> 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 I don't but, think my wife's going to go for this. But uh, the 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 great Happy Jacks trade program, <laughs> whatever. But have like Stork and I hand you our generic prep materials for Freak Show. And you run a freak show game. At a oh, time. okay. All right. And then we run a big blue monkeys game. Okay. And you know, like just share around that the table. That would be really funny. Like, it would. I think it would be fun to see what other people do with each other's established game IPs universes or whatever. Right? Yeah, that yeah. would be that would be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm down just, for that. And just because you know, because now you're getting somebody <laughs> else's. And this is what writers on shows and comic books do all the time. It's like you know, it's like a writer gets fired or moves on or whatever, and they hand. Here's the stuff that I was going for. Use it if you want. Uh, here's the stuff that happened before. Uh, there you go. And, you know, the guy gets a couple of pages of stuff, and all right. And then they take what they want, and then they mm-hmm. run with it. It's a it's a tried and true thing that happens in television shows, movies, and comic books, any any long-format storytelling. 
And hopefully players are listening now, because I want to say this from a player's perspective, this is a great way to prep your character, too. I do a lot of this when I build a character. Oh, that I, makes sense. When yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm playing a teenager in the 90s? Okay, great. I'm going to watch some 90s movies. Oh, those are archetypes and stereotypes. Okay, I'm kind of thinking about this character. I'm going to pull from that. I'm going to pull from that. I'm going to pull from that. Put that in a spreadsheet. All right, got those going. Great. Pictures of what my character looks like, what their house looks like, what their car looks like. That's all in a folder that I can refer to whenever I need to. And I have like a little character Bible for each character that I play. Mm-hmm. You're so method. Well... It's a method. I don't right. know. The no, it's not the method. Well, he doesn't like. He doesn't actually move out to the tiny town no, in no, Arizona true, and start killing people. Well, I've, as far as it can't be proved, right? We don't know. Mm-hmm. I've got. Uh, you haven't been away long enough. <laughs> I was in Ireland for three weeks. See? That's right. Oh, That's right. he was ostensibly. It was Ireland. Sure. <laughs> Blue screen or green screens are great. Yeah, well, that we need. Someone needs to run a commitments RPG. Do you know how hard the, have it was? Have you ever seen the movie Commitments? The no. Commitments? Oh, Do you know how hard it was for him to order a flute and make sure that it showed up on time by the time he got back from Ireland? Right. To make That's it look why like he came back from <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> it was the flute, the clotterings, and my little hat. <laughs> what he was really doing was was cooking meth in, a, in the Arizona desert. Sure. Yeah. Right. That's probably the least. Uh, heavy Metal Jess says we need to call it the Happy, the happy Jack Off. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And, Ma- and Master Vidor seconded it. Oh, well, uh, motion carries. Jess, Jess, you might actually be our oldest listener that's still with us. Thank you for that. I don't think she's our oldest listener. Not the oldest. I don't think she's even close. Like, but she's been around She's been around for a long time. For, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's all I'm saying. I okay. think we've lost most of our other original listeners. No. A lot of them just become hosts. Well, some of, some of us have become hosts, yeah. Well, yeah, and that happens. Them, well, they, 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 and people do sort of fade and fade away. Jess, if you're ever in SoCal, come on. Come on down. Come to a convention. We would love to meet you, and we'll maybe even put you on the podcast, because... Come on. At the Listen very least, so we'll get long, you a beer. You can remind us of all the stuff we said. Follow uh-huh. up to an urgent email from Gaz, the, the DM from the Netherlands. The Netherlands. Who would like to read the Netherlands email? Hello, Jackers of Happy. Who's got the best Dutch accent? Yeah, it's uh, Jackers of Happy. Eh? No. No, no way. Not even close. Right. Hi, I'm from Holland, eh? I'm trying to remember, uh, my, I'm trying to remember my Austin Powers here. He was a uh, gold member. Wasn't he Dutch? Yeah, he was cool. He was. He you was better Dutch. put yeah. your finger in that levy, eh? <laughs> is your mic on? It <laughs> is. My mic is is on. Are you now it's on. Mic? It wasn't on before. No, I turned it off a minute ago because I coughed. But you didn't turn it back on. Hence the question. But earlier, when you told me on. my mic was off, it was on. <laughs> okay, so I was wrong the first time, but I was right the second time. Yes. Okay. Hello, Jackers of Abby. <laughs> And all of you missed that awesome as Canadian pres- Holland joke. I uh, give up. Go, Go ahead. Somebody else. No, I'm no, done. I'm no, done. Uh, uh, all right. As prescribed by Kimmy, here's another email as practice for my English as a follow-up to the email from season two. Nope. Season 23, yep. episode 01. Now, let me just say, last week, none of us were here. Mm-hmm. No. Okay, none of us were here. So, he sent in an email and got advice. And we are. I did, wow, this is the I did listen to it. Oh, you did. Okay. I did. Oh, okay. I do my homework. Okay. All right. Prep. Excellent. <laughs> Good. I think I actually listened to it, but I'm not sure if I remember this whole email. All right. As a small reminder, because it, as, uh, it was a big ass email, I asked you all for help to motivate my players to get involved in the module from 5e. Well, since I live in the Netherlands, I listened to the podcast when I woke up. On the day I had to run the game. Oh, see, we're, I was good enough. To, he sent this email <laughs> on Thursday for the next day's show, and I had already gotten all the prep done oh. for that show because I'm also getting ready for my Halloween party. Yes, and I'm like, 
Oh, he's from the Netherlands. I don't know if we've ever had anyone email from the Netherlands. I'll go ahead and throw it in. So I put it in at the end. I woke up on the day. I had to run the game, and it was a big help. Excellent. I had a uh, we had a blast while the game was going on. Having a PC who has six different personalities in their brain, a cleric uh, who as de- has detect thoughts as a scenario for huge fun. Eventually. Uh, we were having so much fun fucking about with one player actually had to leave the table because she was unable to focus and make full sentences because she was laughing so much and just couldn't look anyone in the eyes anymore, risking having a breakdown again. Excellent. Nice. Mm-hmm. After the session was over, I followed your advice as well, did the smart thing, and discussed my problem with the players. I just straight up told them what my problem was and asked them for input. Told them, okay, you're you are going to reach a section where you have a lot of freedom and and what do you want to do? I asked them to give me ideas, requests, and info that I can use in the game. I told them that we can build with me in the world. If your background has a cult in it, fine. Make the cult in general lines and I will finish it. Eventually, having a, a lot of info to tie them into the main story plot. So, all in all, it was a huge success and I'm a lot less stressed out about it all. See, sometimes just having a conversation, well, most of the time, it, uh, it, it takes a stress. There are a lot of players who are like, no, we're having a great time. It's awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll totally come up with stuff. And off of this, I'm asking for some quest ideas or plot hooks or things that you all think w- would be fun uh, to have as side quests in an open world idea. Huh? You're welcome. <laughs> I am planning on incorporating some of my own personal characters I made as NPCs in this world. So if you would give me the honor, I can incorporate some character ideas that you have as NPCs or maybe some characters that you have been playing. Also, they don't have to be D&D characters. They could be PCs from other systems. Give me an idea and I'll make them an NPC. And give, uh, <coughs> and give you all the update when the PCs meet them. So hope you all, I hope you like, excuse me. So, hope you like this follow-up. Hope and you give all, me, his, his English is better than yours. Hope you all, while I'm in the middle of trying to burp. <laughs> hope you so hope you all like this follow-up and give me some good ideas if you feel like it. Greetings. Just say that one. Gaz yeah, from, from the, the Netherlands. Netherlands. All right. P.S. <laughs> As a response to Kimmy's complimenting me on my vocabulary, I've been tested. <laughs> I can read, speak, and listen on university-level language, but grammar, punctuation, and proper, and building a proper sentence is where my weak points are. But it is nice to know that I am not doing as bad as I thought and made me feel extra happy. No. And no. an impressive use of English colloquialisms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the, the... Those uh, are the hardest. What was it? Uh, Huge-ass problem, big-ass problem... Mm-hmm. Big ass email. Mm-hmm. Big ass email is not a common use of actual English words. Not outside of making it. Yeah. Anyway, and, it, and most job. and most Americans don't deal with their punctuation very well. Go watch Weird Al's word Ooh. crimes video if you really want a summary of how badly we mangle our own stupid language. And oh, punctuation is not that hard. And it's gotten exponentially worse, hasn't it? That we all just communicate via small text messaging and and emojis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? I don't do emojis, <coughs> I do GIFs. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Game. I love yeah. GIFs. Yeah. Um, there was a point I wanted to Here. talk about. There was a uh, thing. NP- you, uh, NPC. He wants NPCs. Here's an NPC. Yeah. Creepy I- warlock dude that always uses that horrifying licking tongue zone spell. Oh, it's 5th edition D&D. It is 5th yeah. edition D&D. The licky tongue. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That guy was my favorite. He was so much fun. That was a character. I know. <laughs> That's why he was my favorite D and D character okay. because he managed to squick everybody out at the table every time we got into combat. Part of me thinks you should just watch this or listen to the APs and uh, and just take some ideas from there. Uh, Stu's come up with some really compelling NPCs. Calvin comes to mind as the something that would be awesome. <laughs> I am no mere hedge mage. Might might come back again and actually succeed in getting his spell off. I mean, there's so many wonderful moments if you listen to the APs. Just pick and choose. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's a PC, whether it's an NPC. Uh, plus, we get the added benefit that you listen to the APs. Mm-hmm. Well, they- there's been great moments in all of those things. I can't pick a favorite NPC, and I can't even pick a, <coughs> pick a favorite PC from other players that I wanted to see blank because they're all awesome. The the cult of orcs that goes around and heals people but takes an eye is told. There you, there you go. Even yeah. orcs on rhinoceroses <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is an don't, awesome thing. Don't put rhinos in the game. <laughs> yeah. You, once you it put rhinos in the rhino, game, they yeah. will use that rhino. Everything. Never give them rhinos. Unless they have like some kind of demonic self-destruct device. Yeah, the the in Bloodblade and Tusk, the orcs that show up in North America right bisons. Well sure. <laughs> and they they're kicking the asses oh, of every you, you guys will never know this. <laughs> no, and, and do they ride every part of the buffalo? <laughs> no, they set up on the front of the haunch. It was a really bad joke. Okay. I, I got it. <laughs> Thank you. And we will know it because it the Vikings shocking. made it to Vinland. And they and anyway. they they all can't be gold. They're kicking the shit out of the, uh, uh, the Native Americans. Well, because they're orcs on fucking they're orcs on, on fucking bisons. <laughs> Why are you writing our food? Ah! <laughs> yeah. Mongo pawn a game of life. Right. By the like way, a Mongo rides into town on an ox. For anyone exploring the highways and byways of the United States, I don't remember what state it's in right now, but I want to say it's in North Dakota, ish. There is a museum. At a place that literally Mount Rushmore? No, no. <laughs> literally, this place is called Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump because the Native American tribe that lived there they realized it's hard as fuck to kill a buffalo, so it's way Bison. easier to scare them and drive them off a cliff. and make them jump <laughs> off a cliff, and then they die, and then we just go down and get the meat we need. There's actually historic uh, Neanderthal sites oh, where they did it yes. with with bison. And mammoths. They yeah, would just they, they would just well, chase them off a cliff. Yes. Yeah. They they put on the skins of a previously killed one and wait, and when the herd got close, they go, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and then, all it takes is a couple to fall off the edge, but, and then you're, you're set is, for the year. Especially it's like a woolly mammoth. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a fascinating museum and it's beautiful because it's built into the side of the cliff. And it's like an archaeological thing at the bottom because they're unearthing just tons of bison skeletons <laughs> with cracked cranium. Yes, <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, but it's, it's a, a big, it it's a, a big pit of fascinating, beautiful <laughs> museum, and I can't recommend strongly enough to go there. Okay, it's very in North, random. It's in North Dakota, eh, somewhere Probably. in the right. northern yeah. central somewhere. states. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe Montana. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. the, the, the the orcs in North America and Bloodblade and Tusk control from like Saskatchewan, Alberta, all the way down. Through past Texas, they got all the meat. They, yeah, basically, they've taken the Great Plains. Oh man, <laughs> them orcs can have a meal. <laughs> they has got to branch out a little to Idaho on the one side. Oh and yeah, they got the, the potatoes. potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah but so they got South America. That's where the potatoes came from. Well, That's a different tribe. 
They died. Yeah. They died out. Did they? Yeah, yeah. They were worshipped as gods because mm. only shamans survived. Anyway, I'm doing a lot of stuff for Blood and Dust. See, this is all the stuff that he can give another GM to run at a game, right? And he has done all this world prep for Bloodblade and Tusk the Universe. Mm-hmm. And at a con, someone of the rest of us could be like, cool, I'm going to run a game. This is Bloodblade and Tusk. See? So far. It's, so far. I don't, I, I don't have page numbers on it yet, but it's uh, probably it's over 100 pages. Yeah, I guess. And, and this is the cool part about the <coughs> basically a campaign, but it's, it's also not, a game world. It's not a campaign. It's a world which yeah. is yeah. actually that. more daunting than a campaign. I love that. Now, is it an open open world or is it a sandbox? <laughs> it is an open world. It's, it's an open world. It has to be an open world because actually, because it no, it's a, it, I would I, that is a it, sandbox. It's a sandbox because there are no unless you build a there's sample <laughs> adventures. Well played, Joey. There's well sample played. adventures oh. in it in the back of the book, but everything else is like. Here's these political organizations. Here's some of the conflicts that exist between them. So it's. Mo- I guess that would be more of a more of a sandbox. Yes. Until you get to the last chapter, where there are actually sample adventures. Well played, Joey. Well played. But sandbox. But that's a, Hoisted but, on his own. But that's a, But that's no. a. That's a world book, though. A world yeah. book is not the same thing as doing campaign yeah. prep. Because it is from a world book that you build campaign. I don't know. I I, I start I start with a town and end up with a world. Wouldn't assuming you're not you're not running a pre-made campaign. But wouldn't a sandbox then just be world prep? Yes. Yes. Okay. With so without prep a whole world. Hold uh-huh. on. Let me go get this horse and back in just here. Literally, we'll just, uh, here, here's a horse and here's a club. Let, let me resurrect it first. Like, okay. If Stu just took that bind, that whole notebook of a hundred pages. And laid it on the table and said, "All right, where are you guys going?" Okay, that's sandbox. And how is it the open world? Because if Stu has peppered in little narrative bits all over the place, that's where it becomes an open world experience. Because yes, they could choose to go anywhere in an open world, but when they get somewhere, they're going to see There's a, a They're, they're going to see a, a kid that's that's like. Pickpocketing people in the square. They're going to see like specific story point moments that involve them in a narrative. Or a band of orcs is you know besieging a town. Okay. Right. Or a band of orcs is pickpocketing people in the square. Right. Wow. <laughs> the artful orcers. Uh, back to back to uh, his yeah, NPCs. Yeah. Yes. A recurring NPC I used to use in almost every fantasy game I ran, except the last D and D game. The Eldemy game, the last Eldemy game, I don't think I used him in that, was a guy named Lothario Finger. And I took that character from. Fossa did a. uh, High Passage was the name of the periodical. It was a. It was a. A magazine for Traveler. I remember oh, yeah. that. It was yeah. a journal to the Traveler's yeah. Aid Society, which is the GDW official one. Right. Fossa did their own called. High passage. I, and I have a few mm. copies. I, was, I, I actually think you can get them online, or I used to. I think I might have found a I've, place. I bought a bunch of old small book traveler things yeah. on eBay, and I got the first three books. I got like Mercenary and that High stuff's, Guard. That stuff still works. It's so cool. Oh, it's so cool. It's still it's it, clunky as fuck. Well, but but Traveler hasn't changed in, in, enough that that stuff isn't. It's still useful. It's yeah. It's good for source material. Yeah. The system. Well, yeah, its yeah. days are gone. Yeah, yeah whatever. 
Because that's when they had the chart. It's like, if you're using this armor and you're using this weapon, here's your modifier to hit. <laughs> it was a big two-page chart. When My Rob God, and I did the Top Secret game at the con... Oh, they loved charts in, in the 80s, 70s, that was, whatever that was. I literally had to make flashcards for every person, so they had a deck of their combat style. And when they got into combat, they would choose which one they were going to do and put it face down on the table. And then their opponent would have to choose from their deck and put it face down on the table. And then you flip them over and find out who succeeded. Right. That's the, oh. I, I, I don't think charts are gone. I, I bought Traveler 5. and uh, All I can say is... I, I Traveler just, 5 is not a modern role-playing I game. Just, I just want to <laughs> quote Dave from the reboot of, of 2001, which is... <clears throat> my God. It's full of charts. <laughs> yeah. It, that yeah. is a doorstop. It's not a role-playing game. Yeah, whatever. I've, I, I've I, never been able to play it. You, no... No one who has not personally played in the playtest sessions with Mark Miller is going to be able to play that game. Yeah, I know. It's not written to be learned. It's full of charts. It opens up the first page is just all the, the dice probably. I know. Like, why? But they're there. And it doesn't. Even that doesn't matter. Try to figure out how damage works and like, come, come back to me. I don't care. I just want to hit something. I don't care what the probability is. It really doesn't matter to me. You know, anyway, <laughs> Lothario, Lothario Finger in in my fantasy game. And he was very kind of he's kind of like Harcourt Fenton Mud. Oh, I like that guy already. Um, he was he was like sort of a merchant, but like s- s- quasi on the criminal I side. Think I remember this character. I used him in the Eldemy game when we played outside yeah. before we started streaming. Okay, and um, he's very resourceful and can get you whatever it is you need, but it's going to cost you, mm-hmm. and it's gonna, usually going to cost you some money and also a favor. Mm. So he it's, very, co- it's very fey. He collects favors. Mm. Uh, it's uh, if you ever saw the show Stingray, mm-hmm. you remember the television series mm-hmm. Stingray? Uh, I believe they did not quite a whole season. Oh, I think we've talked about Stingray before. It's the thing where he had the dashboard in his car, lights. where you flip these switches and the lights would change. Like, yeah. have, have we been followed? No, there's been five different cars behind us. Oh, what oddly specific thing you've done to your car so that uh, whatever. Anyway, it was a terrible show. But that guy, he collected he collected favors. He would help someone out, and he'd say, at some point, I'm going to ask you to do something. You cannot say no. Someday. Right. And this day may never come. I will come and that, to you. And that, that's one of my favorite NPCs, because not only, like, if the players want something, it had thieves that wanted bags of holdings, so they could steal shit from all the rest of the players and hide it someplace, right? He can get them bags of holding. But he's going to want something else in return at some point. So it gives it not, not the players can have that outlet to get the things they want to get. They but still have to price. pay for them. Oh, yeah. But then there's this also complicated price attached to it, and no one really knows what happens. And if you're full, when you don't, if you renege on the right. favor because most of those people aren't if, around if anymore. If you're fool enough to make a bag of holding, right. you're fool enough to make a bargain like that too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, give me my bag of holding. And later on, they're like. I don't no idea what I've just done. He might. He might. Oh my god! Yeah, it, so, it, it's that double-edged sword. I like that a lot because yeah. you don't get anything for free. No. In fact, the price <laughs> for it might be a it's lot, a lot worse. higher than if you were. At, yeah, exactly. Go to Two thousand gold is nothing compared to this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I recently read this series of two books. There will be more eventually, yeah. but the first one's called Orconomics, and it's. A fa- it's, it's a glorious idea And Working the author is a brilliant guy For coming up with this But it's the, a high fantasy world 
but one where capitalism has taken hold. So, like, there are, instead of mutual funds, they call them plunder funds. Mm. And essentially, people buy percentages on monsters' loot. Like, they're like, oh, the dragon of High Pass, well, he's going to have a horde of loot, so I'm going to, like, a share of that is going to be expensive, and there's a whole commodities market of people trading. Like, it's really this bureaucratic nightmare of a fantasy world, but it's hilarious. And there's a, a bad guy in the books that's called Benny Hookhand. And he <laughs> he doesn't appear through the whole first book, except as people mentioning, like, shut the fuck up, Benny Hookhand's gonna find out about yeah, this. this. Like, one of the main characters in the book is, is a guy that's a bard, but he's able to do all kinds of shady things, like well, it's picking a bard, rocks yeah. and getting into places. But every time he does... The rest of the party's like, man, you picked that lock really fast, man. You're really good at that. And he's like, I didn't know such thing. I have no idea what you're talking I'm about. I'm just a simple bard. <laughs> Shut the fuck up or Benny Hookan might hear that I'm back doing business. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's great. Like, coming up with, like, the crime boss that's a little silly is hilarious. I, all you need is the name. <laughs> and then the characters will fill in the rest of the details. Oh, yeah. Later on when they meet Benny Hookan... 90% of your work will be done. Well, you came up with this off-the-cuff name, and then your players have filled in the rest of the so details. I'm, I, I'm not a person that likes to give away spoilers, but I'm going to let one loose right now. Just stop listening if you want to read these books and get the big and what, surprise. What are the name of the books? Uh, the first one is called Orconomics, and the second one is called Son of a Lich. Okay. But um, Did Robert Asper write these? Are these are like the Myth Adventures and yeah. another final but, myth. But, myth, okay. myth Directions. Does it take place in magical Florida? Yeah. Kind of. That's true. That's what that was like. Yeah, well, so it was Florida. It, well, yeah. Like, and like the, the other cool thing is like the, the world is basically divided into like the light races and the dark races. So like gnolls and kobolds and trolls, they're all the, the they call them the shadow kin, right? They can all apply to get NPC papers so they can get <laughs> legitimate jobs and work in town. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good. But all but, right, all right. So here's we, the spoiler. I, all right, I'm sold. At this point, I'm about to let it loose. So mute if you want to get the big surprise in the book for like 15 seconds. Here I go. Beep. Benny Hookhand is not a person. He is literally a magical hook that grafts himself onto various victims. So, like, when they finally meet Benny Hookhand, everybody's like, why are you, like, a middle-aged lady? <laughs> and everybody's so like... He's, like, he's like Venom, but a hook. Essentially. He's yeah, a, he's, he's just a, a magical hook that tempts people into taking it. There. <coughs> Spoiler done. Yeah. But it's the great. Du- the Dark Prophet Saga Number 1 by Zachary Pike. There it is. There, thank All you, right. Chet, folks. Yeah, that's James V. 1971. Yeah. Yeah. Nin- Okay. Brilliant listens. If you like fantasy and a little bit of comedy, it's totally worth it. It also has the universe of healing potions feel really good. Oh. And healing potions cause people to become addicts that try and get hurt on purpose so they can get another so hit. You, but you don't get the euphoria if you're not hurt and you take right. one? Right, yeah. Oh. So people cut and people... Oh, yeah. how insidious. Yeah, and I'm like, that's brilliant. It's like, it's like total opium. Like I'm going to jump off my roof. It yeah. Totally, <laughs> it, to, it totally reminds me of the Robert Asmer books, which I don't think people know about anymore. Everybody's all caught up in... Um, um, 
Oh, who's that other author now? Does comedy fantasy stuff. But uh, Robert Asperger did it first originally in the 70s and 80s with the uh, Myth Adventures, Myth Directions, Myth Concepts. About uh, is that... But but the kid that finds uh, actually I'm thinking of the Xanth novels. No, they're, they're oh. similar. They kind of take the Xanth novels similar. are incredibly punny, right? But this is an actually even like it's written for comedy. It's uh, I think the first one was called Myth Myth Adventures, um, hmm. by Robert Aspern. Oh, then I, I the retract my statement name. about Florida because Florida that that was the, that, that was, was that was, that was the Xanth novels. Yeah. The Xanth novels. So that was uh, Piers Anthony or Piers oh. Anthony. Robert Aspern co-wrote the Thieves' World stuff, but he wrote this comedy series that went on for like 30 or 40 books. People have forgotten about them now, but I remember reading them as a kid, and they're hysterical. And they're, they do a lot of sort of pop culture references, and it's very much the genie from from um, Aladdin, where he, he's just, because he's, you know, time and space doesn't really mean anything, and he has a lot of really funny references. In fact, the, you know, his name is Oz. Is it Oz? Not that one. <laughs> right? So... It, it, uh, and it's Robert Aspern and I think he, uh, Phil Foglio, who does uh, Girl Genius, I think illustrated most of the novels at some point. Another fine myth, form. Myth Directions, yep. Myth Incorporated, Myth Conception, Hit or Myth. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. The other more fairly modern comedy fantasy books that I love, the first one's called Off to Be the Wizard. It's by a guy named Scott Meyer. And I think it's called Magic 2.0 as a series. But it's essentially like a kid figure like finds some kind of crazy long text file when he's hacking into some company, and then he realizes like it has data on like everyone he knows, and including himself. And then he goes in there and he like edits a number, and he realizes like that's how much money's in my checking account. I can just edit that, <laughs> and this is my like global coordinates. I can just edit that and it's like teleporting. And (laughs) so then like eventually it comes out to the idea that he's like, oh shit, he gets in trouble with the IRS because suddenly he has ten million dollars. (laughs) Right. And the agents show up at his house and he's like, I gotta get out of here. I so he changes his time entry because he's like, when's the best time to be a wizard? Medieval England, for sure! And he teleports back <laughs> to Medieval England to be a wizard. And finds out there's a bunch of wizards there. Right. <laughs> and 100% finds out that a bunch of people have found this file and hacked it and realized, I gotta get out of here! Medieval <laughs> England is the place for wizards! It's like that Mighty Pop Out skit where all yeah. the milkmen walk in and they're all sitting there. Oh, man. I, Terry Pratchett was the one I was thinking of, who made a career out of writing sort of silly fantasy novel stuff. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's very yeah. much in the vein of Douglas Adams. Uh, Robert Aspern, I think, did it first and did it very well. well. Uh, the, what I was thinking, uh, Pierce Anthony was the guy who was thinking of the Right, the with the Zant novels, yeah. yes. Which are also very punny. They are. They don't always hold up, but yes. Uh, I, it's been so long stuff. since I, I read I read like four or five of them. I gave I the first three to my oldest when she was in their teens. And Spell she from liked the ch- Chameleon, yep. Cruel Life, yep. Source of Magic, and Castle Castle Runa. Runa. Yeah. No, uh, Source of Magic, yes. But she liked them, and we, that's as far as we got, and I think it's enough. There's a lot. There are. There's like 30 of them. Yeah, he, yeah that's a whole lifetime of a career there. Any more NPCs for this poor guy who keeps drifting away? Yeah, we do. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I'm giving you source of material you can yeah. find really cool NPC ideas. Yeah, I think that's your best bet is take stuff from stuff you know. Yeah. Pop culture, you know, take Jack Sparrow and put him in the high fantasy world. Or take... Make him a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I gave you my best NPC concept. 
Like that's that's oh, my my recommendation. I do that I'm for spent. PCs too. When I'm like, I'm playing this game, I don't want to play. Well, I like this character from this universe. Let's put them in this universe. And see what happens. Uh, and I always like to take a, a spin on it. It's like, have a guy named Logan that raise wol- raises wolverines. And when he goes into combat, he throws wolverines at things. And, right. and, and if he's under duress... <laughs> Hold on a minute. i got to get in my backyard. Uh, Open uh, the key. He's got a bag of holding full of badgers, and he just hurls them at things. So, yeah. He's Please look at the bag of holding is brown and yellow. Oh, look at all those people who joined, who joined the Happy Jacks thing. Thank no. you. There's a lot of them now. Thank you, guys. The one, two, three, four, the five, me, six, me two, seven, the eight, me Now two, this has turned into like... 12. There's 12 members now on MeWe. Uh, uh, if you're uh, on uh, MeWe and you want to join... This, this is 100% just turned into like 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 Captain Kangaroo. I see... Did I see he? Chris. Chris, I that see David, room, I see yes. Joseph and Nathaniel. It was Romper Room, and sorry. Lloyd and yeah. another Captain Joseph. And jo- had, you are in there. Joey Nestor's in there. Yeah, that's what I thought. Captain Kangaroo had Mr. Uh, had Mr. Moose and, uh, ten, yes. uh, and Ping Pong Balls. Come on. Romper Room was, was the teacher with yeah. the mirror. Yeah. yeah. With the, wasn't a mirror. The magic yeah. mirror. The magic, the empty little, mirror. A little that's creepy. terrifying. Wouldn't you feel like an idiot doing that? Uh, you know what? As soon as I keep getting those paychecks, fuck them. I wonder what those paychecks were like back then, though. You know what? They still made it on TV, by God. We all and still we remember. All make a yeah, joke but about so do a bunch of so do a bunch of like reality TV people. We still remember Hobo Kelly toys. with fun. You know memories. what? But they made their cash. Yeah, or some of them. Then, then some of them like fake their children going into giant UFO balloons. Oh yeah, that was a whole thing that remember happened. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That wasn't that long ago. Oh, it's at least a decade. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Oh. Oh, that's been a long no, time. No, it's not been a decade. What's that name? Let me look this up. Anyway, I think uh, we should probably wrap up. Hold on. I got stuff to do. <laughs> well, wait. We're trapped now. No, this until, is important. Until Stu figures that shit out. It was five years later in 2014. So it's nine years ago. Okay, so not ten years ago. Okay, but that's pretty I'm pretty close. <laughs> Accuracy. If this without is a, accurate time records, <laughs> five, five years. This article is from 2014, and it's uh, and it says five years later, Balloon Boy family still search for fame. I'm shocked. <laughs> balloon Boy. I know. All right. Balloon Boy. You're a Balloon Boy. Remember the yeah. Oceans 13. I think it was Ocean's One 13. of them. Yeah. The, there's like the, the there's 13 of them, right? The twins from Utah. All right. There <laughs> it goes. Thank you for joining us for Season 23, Episode 2 of Happy Chicks Rubber Podcast. My name is Stu. Stork. I'm Joey. <laughs> and I'm Kadeem. I'll see you on Monday. Bye. And I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Blood, Light, and Tusk on Sunday. That's right. You got a second star, star on Monday, yeah. right? Thank you very much. We'll leave the song. Joey's got Caroline. Yeah. Oh, we can sing. We got three parts yeah. again. What song can we do? Asian Core, because we missed it, the anniversary. Uh, we don't have a bass though. We have, oh, we have a bass. He has a bass. Wow! Wow! There's only two people in the group. Didn't you get my Zook? Yeah, go get it. Or at least a starting note. And we'll leave you with a live song, and I'll clap and look happy. Because, because as Joey pointed out yesterday. I did. It was, was the, the 600, 603rd, 603rd anniversary <laughs> of the French Battle of Ashenborn. Losing yet again in a battle to the English. This is a historic song. I don't know. How old is this song, do you think? 
Twelve. At least it's hundred and three. Oh. Okay. Check one. Let me, let me get the mic set up. And, and uh, while Stu is fussing around, I, 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 I think I the this might be the first or second Check song that, that Stu had ever arranged. Well, <coughs> no, according to Live in Concert, it's the first song he ever arranged. Okay. I ra- I originally arranged this song for Good Company. Good Company. And they're like, yeah, we don't like it. We like to do it our way. I'm like, all right, great. I'll start my own band. So, not, not only is it a really old song, but it's also a really old Stu song. Ready? Yes. Our king went forth to Normandy with grace and might of chivalry. Their God for him were a marvelous Wherefore England may call and cry. He set the scenes to for to say, to hard for town with royal array. The town he won and made afraid, the throne shall rue until doomsday. Our king with all his host To France by all the French post He's far and neither least nor most Till he came to Agincourt coast Then forsooth let come the In Agincourt fields in manly fight Through grace of God most mighty He won both field and victory Leo Gracias then dukes and earls for a baron were taken slain and that well soon and some were led into London with joy and mirth and great renown now gracious God he save our king his people and all his good willing give him good life and good ending that we with mirth may safely sing Deo gratias Deo gratias Anglia Rete pro <laughs> All right, there you go. Thank yeah, you. That's my contribution. <laughs> that's just, that's the second time we've done a live song. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Good Thank night. You. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.